Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. It's an Ed FM day today here at uh, Red FM. Paper-wise this morning, you know how the UK was short of all of the HGV drivers, those who drive the big Arctics and keep the show on the road? They're also short of butchers now, apparently. They need thousands and thousands of butchers across the UK. I mention that only because the front of the mail this morning says that we are short 4,000 drivers and we need them pretty sharpage. Haulage companies are fearing a backlog of deliveries. You're not just talking about food, but Everything up to and including building materials, for instance. That's the front page of uh, the Mail today. Uh, the pandemic moment, bon- uh, bonus controversy or split or division rolls on with the Mail this morning saying they're now planning uh, to give the pandemic bonus, whatever that will be, uh, to people in the private sector as well as the public sector. So Michael Magrano, I'd say he's got one hell of a headache over this. He says that there's a, a re- <laughs> I love this, there's a renewed sense of appreciation. Like, was there not an appreciation for lots of roles up until we started uh, discussing a bonus. There's a renewed sense of appreciation for cleaners, retail staff, tourism and hospitality workers and those who collect refuse. So they've been added into the mix as to whether it will mix further than that, I do not know. But speaking of mixing, they had their first, um, uh, I suppose, uh, gig really where you had, it was a nightclub called the Button Factory in Dublin, became the first club to reopen its doors since 18 months ago. And I think that's brilliant because, uh, you know, younger generations need to have some fun. For God's sake, it's been hell uh, for everybody, but particularly those that should be socialising a lot more than the rest of us. So they were queuing, apparently, from lunchtime yesterday to get swabbed for their antigen test. And then they went clubbing last night and everything went really well. So well done. They're saying in the Times today that uh, one in ten pup claims uh, wasn't eligible. They're starting to check pups now. One in ten, that means the one in ten shouldn't have been paid. And, of course, we are heading into the winter and we all know of issues regarding um, overcrowding and people on uh, trolleys and and, and more to the point, people sitting on chairs in the A&Es. So front page in the Echo today talking about acute overcrowding. I mean, that headline would stand up on the front of a newspaper any time in the last 10 or 15 years, to be honest, particularly with regards to two main hospitals, uh, the CUH and uh, the Mercy. So that makes the front page. And unfortunately... Rents continue to surge. We're looking at 17% now in some parts of the country since the start of the year. It's insane. And they're saying now that they're going to really start tackling landlords. Uh, The PRTB is even getting involved in it. It's a story that makes the examiner today. But within the public sector then, say for instance, city council, um, how long does it take them on average to turn around a house that's vacant and re-let a public authority house? Well, I can tell you it's 85 weeks I mean, think about that. It's close on a year and a half. And to say that government is expressing concern about that is an understatement. Cork City has the longest turnaround time in the country at 85 weeks. It's worth repeating, 85 weeks. Perhaps we'll have some more on that a little later on. They need to get their act together and speed it up. A bit like Cork City Fire Brigade that makes the mail today. They have the fastest average response time in Ireland. And I saw it on Monday evening myself. Talking on the air yesterday morning with the chap whose tumble dryer went on fire around about a quarter past seven. At the very same time as his tumble dryer went on fire, I was on Anglesey Street watching the fire brigade gearing up, crewing up, and getting on the road. I mean, it literally happened in seconds. I've never seen anything happen so fast. And that's why Cork City Fire Brigade have the fastest average response time in Ireland, and they should all take a bow. I mean, you couldn't make this country up where the Attorney General, the Attorney General, the most important and most senior legal person in Ireland, 
apparently was continuing to do private work while Attorney General and the government, including Leo Varadkar, is defending that, saying he's not doing it anymore. There's nothing to see here. Move on. How many times have they said that? There's nothing to see here. Uh, move on. But apparently he was um, he was acting in a private capacity while Attorney General for former directors of independent news and media. While Attorney General, that is. And did the case involve independent news and media versus the government or the state of Ireland, I wonder. Croke Park residents, you heard it in the news this morning, won't dwell on it much, but um, apparently they're big issues and they're very credible issues really as to do with parking and noise and the impact local residents have living near Croke Park. So how many gigs they'll get across the line for Garth Brooks, who knows. But today is National Potato Day and we love the humble spud. And you know, one of the reasons why, there's just so much you can do with the humble spud. But I'd love to chat later on as to how you love to eat your own, particularly if you can come up your own potatoes that is uh, particularly if you can come up with kind of wackier ways of cooking spuds or using spuds I mean you can boil them there's nothing wrong with that and you can steam them when they're new and butter and salt and leave it at that but today is National Potato Day and do you know what we, we actually produce 37 million or 294,000 tons of potato a year I mean, it's an incredible amount. I mean, it's just a super food, a wonder food. So how do you cook and how do you use yours at dinner time? Uh, I know people would be saying chips, 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 chips. Anyway, come back on that text 0868104106. And it is an edge here and day here today at Red FM. And there's a story uh, making this morning's Red Tops where the sun says, I mean, he's a fantastic performer making lots of dosh from music and albums and touring. But Ed Sheeran has an incredible property empire for when he stops gigging I suppose you know he's just making sure that he's cool when he retires I suppose and he has a property empire now apparently that's estimated to be worth 75 million euro he's got 27 homes in London alone (laughs) he's a cute lad isn't he and if you think that tea is the most popular tipple uh, in Ireland or indeed in Lisa, then think again. Certainly when it comes to um, going into the likes of Circle K or the other garages to get tea or coffee, apparently coffee is the favourite. And it kind of is actually. It's always the coffee machine I see people at. You rarely see people going for the tea bag. Might be different at home, but people on the road, certainly it seems to be coffee. And watch out because you might find that coffee prices may go up because of a very poor Brazilian winter. But come here, not all coffee comes from Brazil. You could get it other South American countries. You could get European countries who are making coffee beans or growing coffee beans. But they're talking about eye-popping hikes following bad coffee winters, according to the examiner today. And traditional Irish names. And I'm not taking the Mick and I'm not taking the Mary. It's a story making the mail today. It seems that the Marys, the Bridgets, the Maureens, the Jones, the Doloreses, the Johns, the Michaels, the Patricks, the Seamuses and the Padders um, are no longer as popular as they used to be. They're being replaced by names like Noah and Ava. Um, so the names that Granny and Grandad had or gave to their children and so on and so forth are not as popular anymore according to uh, this morning's uh, mail. I, suppose, I wonder if much of it has to do with the religious uh, connection with some of those names at least. And I love this from the Times UK. They are in some secondary schools in the UK now drawing some criticism because of a crackdown on slang in the classrooms. So a secondary school has banned pupils in the UK from starting sentences with words like basically, starting sentences with words like like, starting sentences with words like you know, 
Um, and I think, personally, it's a very good thing. I really do. Particularly when it comes to people who start sentences with the word like. I mean, it doesn't belong there. It shouldn't be there. It makes no sense there. But another one that's hugely overused in all the wrong contexts is the word, the two-letter word, so. You ask somebody a question or they're responding to you and they start their sentence or answer with so. So what? Like, so buttons? I mean, what? so potatoes? Why put so at the start of a sentence, please? Um, maybe we actually should pass a law or a statute, maybe even here on Side, the Rebel County, banning like and so from the start of sentences. What do you think? The Neil Prenderville Show. He was right. She says, well, what are you supposed to do then when somebody starts a sentence with so like? I mean, it would be like, it would be, I just said like, it would be like uh, trying to pass a law in Cork, right, where we ban the word like. I mean, that's like dropped into, I just did it again. We dropped that into all of our sentences in slang, the word like. So I suppose put your money where your mouth is, Prendo. Put up or shut up. Start yourself. <laughs> I'll be conscious. I'll be conscious of every single thing I say between now and midday today. Anyway, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. No, but, but seriously, Robert, good morning. Hi Neil, how's things? All right, pal. Um, let me get serious. Uh, you came across something that is becoming all too evident and all too obvious these days. Tell us your story, Robert. Well, um, last Monday, so last Monday evening, I suppose around six thirty, maybe quarter to seven, I was getting the number eight bus from Patrick Street up to my mother's house in Mayfield. And um, no, because the bus had been so long waiting, and I've been waiting sometime myself, a crowd gathered, and since there's no restrictions anymore on public transport. We were like sardines. Yeah, the quarter to the seven to Mayfield was jammed. Yeah, yeah. Jammed. And there's so much so that not everybody actually got on the bus. How does so, that happen then? Is it a few people form an orderly queue or something or, or what? Well, well, it's by a queue, but it's not orderly. It's just whoever gets on, gets on, I suppose. You know that kind of way. Gotcha. Okay. But anyway, uh, you did. So what you see? So I got on anyway. I'm standing in the aisle by the side door. Um, in there is just where do they, the baby buggy bays or the wheelchair I bay. do of course yeah, yeah yeah yeah. so this guy comes in um, basically stumbles in he looks like he can't support the weight of his teeth in his own head pulls down one of the seats sits down his partner comes in sits down next to him this lady comes in with a baby in a buggy so she gets up asks him to get up he didn't move an inch so anyway between the jigs and the reels the lady actually got in with the buggy with her back to them and so, I suppose, about 10 or 15 minutes later, we were kind of up in McCart Street, heading up towards Summer Hill. And um, this guy just pulls out a syringe in front of everyone. Just like that? Just like that. Didn't know where he was. Didn't know what planet he was she on. Tried, she, did the girl with him try and stop him? Um, well, initially, no, I don't think so. But a woman actually spoke up and said, like, look, there's an effing baby in the buggy there. Get it away. <sighs> no. Yeah, and so he, but he, like, so she was a lot more lucid than he was. He was out of it, so she kept hitting him in the hands, you know, put it away, put it away, put it away, and he kept putting it into it like a zip, a zip pocket by where, like, where the crest of a badge on his jersey would be, you know, like yeah. that's where he pulled it out of. So yeah. that's where he was putting it back in. So it was obviously brought to the driver's attention, who proceeded to just keep driving. Which, to be honest with you, I don't blame him because. It was so packed trying to get somebody in that condition with that kind of paraphernalia on you off the bus through the amount of people 
Like, I mean, there was so much potential for something to go wrong, you know? Mm. It was, but it was, like, I mean, intimidating is not the word, because I was within an arm's length of him. If I said something to him, I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's capable of. Well, and I don't know where that needle. I don't know where that needle was either. You, 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 know? you clearly wouldn't know where the where the needle might end up. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, anything can happen. I mean, he he could barely support his own legs. So even if he fell, even if he didn't intentionally want to hit somebody with it, it was the potential was still there. I mean, those buses jerk all the time as well. You know, so it, I, I was that close to him that if the bus jerked. And he fell forward and it was in his hand. He could easily pinch me. Robert, you know, did he, Robert, did he use it or did he put it away and keep it away? No, no, he, it was put away and kept away. <laughs> he wasn't left to use it. As I say, that woman that spoke up basically brought the whole bus's attention to them. So, no, he did keep trying to, but the woman he was with kept stopping him, you know? So he's he's so completely out of it. Do you think that he doesn't realise what he he's has, doing, the he consequences, has, or even he, where he is? He has no idea where he is. He has no idea. What, just completely divorced from reality now. Completely. Absolutely no idea where he is. Was I he? Mean, I mean, was he coherent enough to be able to pay to get onto the bus? I, 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 I'm assuming that she paid for two and he just went ahead because he, he just came went on first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came in before her, you see. So, because I was standing and like, you know, something like, I mean, there's people like that all the time you know when the next hit and you're kind of oh gosh you know that kind of way yeah, yeah. but you're just like whatever look like you're going you're going up there you're, you're on the bus nothing's going to happen so a lot of the time you just tolerate things like this because you think it's becoming Absolutely. it's becoming the norm which is which is quite worrying really to be honest you know I mean that's I was I knew it was prevalent in the city to a, to a point because you see it as you go around the city you come walk around you can see the people you know what they look like you know I mean, you know what they're into but to be that close to it and actually have a life substance in the barrel of a syringe, I was like, Jesus almighty. Yeah, it's, it's no longer down dark alleyways or in kind of uh, recessed doorways. It's it's very much it's front and centre and obvious to all and even on the passenger seat of a bus. Yeah, yeah. It's, this, wasn't a, this wasn't a half empty bus and they were upstairs at the back or anything like that. This was downstairs. I mean, in the busiest part of the bus because it was in between both doors of the bus as well. So people were getting on and off. I don't know. I, you I, you know, know I just don't know. Anytime I'm in there, it's like it's in the Monday evening now. And actually, it's the same. I was in. That was the same time you were in town. I was in town Monday evening, wasn't it? Round about quarter to yeah, seven. Yeah, Monday evening. Yeah, well, well, spot on, yeah. And uh, I was up by Washington Street, Grand Parade. Oh my God! There were some people gathered on on Patrick Street, and there were like zombies. They really were groups of them, like The Walking Dead. It was unreal. It was so sad to look it, at. It's so surreal to look at because, I mean, as you say, 20 years ago, it just, it just wasn't a thing. No, it might be dotted here and there, but no, it's literally, no matter what angle you turn at, you could, if you walk in that direction, you're going to come across it at some point in the city centre. Oh, I know what you're saying. It's gone, it, it's gone insane. And, like, the, the, the thing about it then as well is, like, if that man had been as that stoicist drunk, would he have got on the bus? Would he have been left on that's another way of looking at Well, there was a misfortune. There was a misfortunate man. I won't give out any private details. I mentioned it earlier. He fell out onto the road on, Mac- on, on McCurtain Street. Uh, if if anyone had been going faster, me included, uh, I think we could have been talking about a tragedy. He, he was the loveliest guy, actually. Big, beaming, smiling face. I stayed with him for half an hour. All he wanted to do was chat and hug and shake hands. And he was lovely. He was just, but he was completely yeah. and utterly um, stoicious. Like, completely. Yeah. Um, and, mm. and my fear was, because he wanted to go away and I was trying to keep him as long as I could because my fear was he'd walk up McCartan Street and literally just fall out into moving traffic or if he'd been near water he'd have just fallen into the lee. 
Yeah, I mean, it's dangerous. Like, I mean, like, you can't compare apples and oranges. I get that, you know, with, with the being out of your head and heroin and being drunk. But the difference with the heroin is they have paraphernalia on them. That's also a potential danger to, and, and it's public transport. Oh, I know. And that. listen, listen. You know? There's a chance the needle could have been thrown on the ground of the bus as well. I know. I, I, you know, I, know. I was shocked. I would, to be honest, I was shocked. But then when the driver drove on and didn't kind of eject him from the bus, I completely understood. And do you think he, that bus Aaron should have a different policy in that regard? Well, if they, I don't know. Maybe they should look into it anyway. At least because it's obviously that it's happening. You know, and if he's only one. Out of how many in car right. the yard yeah, How many other buses, you know? I know, I know. With babies and so, buggies and everything. All right, yeah, listen, you know. I do appreciate it. Come on, I appreciate it. I know it's not an easy no thing to do. Thanks for sharing. Cheers, Robert. Thanks that was share. Monday evening. Day. You too. Have a good weekend. That was Monday evening, quarter to seven, bus to Mayfield. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, uh, so into the city we go again. Anderson's Key is one of the main uh, shooting galleries in Cork when it comes to uh, the distribution and the use of uh, heroin. It's a hotspot for addicts shooting up in, in broad daylight. I mean, you heard my conversation there with regards to somebody attempting to shoot up on the Mayfield bus. Uh, and um, the city fathers, it would appear, seem unwilling or de- indeed unable to address the crisis uh, and the crisis of course is so bad uh, that it unfolds really just from the Simon Community Emergency Hostel and close to the Homeless Support Centre and the area down around the Keys and Anderson's Key uh, and up around Laps Key and areas there and it's also even more worrying because it's so close to water. Seamus Whelan actually went out on uh, Monday Monday morning with Bernard O'Hare the campaigner for the homeless. Actually they met on, on McCurtain Street um, and that's one of a number of known spots for, for drug dealing and what have you, particularly on days when uh, social welfare has been paid out from various post offices. So that was on Monday when they met up and they went to the post office on McCurtain Street. Um, and it, it, I want to say this because the post office has absolutely no role to play in anything whatsoever that I'm going to discuss now or going to play or going to say. They are there to provide a service and do business and they do it very well. Um, but you do have people coming and going, getting their welfare payments from post office. So that area then would be known for uh, drug dealers. And he said that they witnessed uh, at least a half a dozen known individuals to have strong connections with the cork drug trade. So while they were there, they saw at least six dealers uh, in and around that area. Um, You know, certainly McCurtain Street, Beasley Street, down onto Patrick's Key, Mary Elms Bridge. But he said, he was saying to me that there were no guardy in the area. And it was a busy Monday morning, lots of people toing and froing. And Bernard says this is a regular occurrence in this part of the city, especially on Mondays and especially on Thursdays. And the guys generally stand, uh, sorry, did I say Beasley Street? My apologies, Harley Street. They usually stand at the top of Harley Street, that lane that runs between the Metropole over onto McCartan Street and the Metropole down onto Mary Elms Bridge. So Harley Street there. And some of the dealers stand on the opposite side of the road. Uh, also, and they, they deal in crack cocaine and they deal in heroin. And it was quite obvious on Monday morning that they were dealing in crack cocaine and indeed heroin. Up to 15 uh, homeless were present when they arrived, um, but uh, left quickly. Uh, I think maybe many of them just left because, you know, Seamus was there with Bernard and he probably had recording equipment. So I could understand that. And, and many probably wouldn't talk because of, out of fear, uh, fear of the dealers, I suppose. But they did then go to Anderson's Key saw a number of deals going down around Anderson's Key, opposite the Simon community, the emergency hostel, people openly dealing 
uh, two guys and a woman approached, sat in the doorway just just down from the from the homeless centre. A number of the homeless went up individually uh, to the dealers, got what they wanted, and they then sat down and shot up with needles in the doorways. Paid for their fix, paid for their heroin, and shot up. And it's apparently heroin's got very cheap. So one guy you're going to hear on the audio who headed into a doorway to shoot up, he couldn't find a vein. He just couldn't find a vein. So he ends up walking around, wandering around the streets with a, a full syringe um, and, and in his hand, and he's just wandering around, and then he heads off looking for someone to help him to find a vein. He appeared to be in a lot of pain, wasn't stable on his feet, and you'll also hear Seamus speaking to one of the guys who was with the, the main dealer in the doorway. Um, although the guy that you know Seamus talks to denies that he was a dealer himself, but he, he certainly was in, in the area when we were recording the audio. Here, you'll hear him tell the the main dealer that he owed the, one particular girl in the group a score. Apparently, they, they borrow from each other. I don't know whether they borrow money or drugs or both, and then they, then they pay back later. So this is audio from Seamus and Bernard on the streets of uh, Cork. The streets are just mentioned. This is across uh, Monday morning, just gone. We're just on McCurtain Street, and uh, there's a post office here where... Most mornings here, and especially Monday mornings, you'd see a lot of the guys in the hostels and on the street get their social welfare. And then what you'd also see is different groupings, criminal groupings as well, involved in the drugs trade, heroin, etc., that um, are waiting for them to collect their doll. And they're either taking it off them for money that they've owed and accumulate kind of uh, tickets, they call it. Uh, but it's a very tragic sight, right, when you see so many people waiting around and the drugs been sold. And Is this where a lot of them would start shooting up? At the normal spots, believe it or not, we can go over there and have a look now by the Simon. No, it's in around where they're staying and... Uh, that's caps. The caps off the needles. Yeah. That's the spoon over in the corner, as you see, the swab, the wipe. Yeah. And then of course there's human feces there and everything. And someone will actually bed down there tonight, you know. More than likely, or even at some stage. We're looking there now, another spoon there to the left. You have to be very, very careful around here for slip on needles. Go around the other side in a second. Oh, there's a needle there, look, see? Yeah. It's not even capped. No. What I don't get, and what I don't understand about it all is, how can you hand out all these cities, uh, safe injections? safe injecting so on so forth right and it's in for years through the hostel it's been in the hostel yourself where they hand out the equipment for it right where do you think you're going to put all these they don't have needle bins around the place because it's such a big city and all the chemists and, and the hostels as well do it right give them out the needles all the paraphernalia but yeah when they're dumped all around the place where's the contingency plan is that the right word to, to deal with the litter with drug paraphernalia litter the same as when in the, in the hostels you can you can, sh- no, I'm saying you can shoot up, but they have needle bins there, right? But if they don't put the cap on it straight away, then they're, they're sanctioned. Are there any kinds that we saw up, uh, the, up in the curtain street? But that's what they'll do, no, they'll go around in their little groups. Like, the one that was probably covering the GPO when they were doing the other ones. Do you get me? Yeah. And as you see, you put more than on the doorway over there. They're waiting at the corner outside the fucking hospital. Oh, sorry. They're waiting at the corner outside the hospital. And go over into the doorway and get the stuff in. You know, that's going to be repeated quite a number of times during the day, you know? Yeah. So, 
but like we saw them up in McCurtain Street but I think we probably spoke them because they were there at the laneway so there That's wasn't right. much going down there so yeah. they probably decided to I suppose move along move along and, and, and do their normal their normal route a little bit down or something you see that's the thing they'll have that all set up before they even come out to get me because yeah. like they yeah they're selling whatever but they still have to sort of stay one step ahead of the guards and is that heroin now that they're dealing over and tablets I would have it I should smoke the, the funky as well you know, I want the incense but um I think they're what they're doing some of them are smoke or injecting or whatever smoking the heroin and then smoking that um, incense yeah because it takes the edge off it I don't know, understand that at all are the dealers gone or are they? no they're still in the door with them so they're helping her shoot up they help her shoot up sometimes the person might not be able to get the vein themselves and someone else will do it for them do you get me? yeah and all this under the eyes of the silent community the homeless services right there as well. And nothing been done about it? Well, if there was something been done, with all due respect, if there was something been done, why are so many people dying? Why are so many people overdosing every day? I mean, indiscriminate throwing the paraphernalia around the place, you know? Sometimes you'd, sometimes you'd wonder, do they want, do they want them stuck in this spot, you know. And you were saying there was another guy that OD'd last night, but we're not sure whether he's still with us or not. Haven't similar to the girl you saw last week? Yes, very similar to the girl you saw last week. And as you heard the young fellow that was saying, tell us themselves this morning, McCarthy Street there, that he, uh, he's he's shocked by it because he, he really doesn't think that um, he survived. Because, like, I mean, what you have to understand is when they're shocked like that, it must mean something because... This is Groundhog Day to them. They might see this multiple times a day. Mm. You know. But it must be really bad if they're shook. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, because they're, they're even desensitised to, like, they're reviving each other and everything in the Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you might get revived yourself at, say, 9 o'clock in the morning. Sure, an hour or two later, you might be doing it for someone else. And, you know, you think, I often think that it's so bad, and I suppose the addiction that I often think that. You know, the, the deaths of the guys and the girls in the street would fucking make them cough. Not a cough on, but say, make them think, you know? Mm. It doesn't seem to scare them about dodgy tablets. It doesn't seem to scare them about dodgy gear. It doesn't seem to come into play, like. They're but well, I suppose you're only, like, you've been there, you know? Like, all you're looking for is your next fix, really, isn't it? That's it. You don't care about that unless it's going on around you. You know, even... Even... We have another guy here now going up to get his deal now, and he's... He looks as sick, doesn't he? Sure, he can barely walk. Yeah. And seems to be in a lot of pain. See, that's the thing, you wouldn't know... Again, a lot of them have a lot of serious, serious health issues. It's probably just over the left of us, as I can see, the lungs, the whole lot. Yeah. Do you know? Um, that's just a bit. This doesn't see the dangers, the health aspects, the dangers, the... You know, just don't care about who's around, who sees them. The thing is, they're over the door, you know. What if one of them now all of a sudden ODs because of, of whatever they're taking? Then they'd all just take off running, do you get me? Yeah. they be gone. And sure, if at nine, if whatever time of the day that someone ODs in the doorway, there's someone, like drug dealers when they get sent away, they always say there's one there to replace them. Same here with addiction, do you know? Mm. They don't give, they don't care that they're killing, killing their own friends and more than often they're not their own family 
True homelessness as well, like. I think there's something happening there now. Huh? There's something happening there now, too. Yeah. Your man looks like he was only after having a bang at the heroin there, the fellow that was struggling to get over. Yeah. He was as pale as a ghost. No, that's the kind of colour you get, as well, after after taking it. Your one's colour now was much worse than his there. I'm still, I'm still in shock, but I'm still taken aback by the colour of her. Yeah. She's thanked to know she's okay. Got to see her about a week later, but... He needs to get down into him and get into him, no, he'd be like that, because, like, yes. like, like, yeah, he's sound out, boy, oh, see, nice. yeah, I think you know the way when you're getting yeah. an inch and you're sick, you're like, just everybody yeah. go away from me, even if somebody's been the nicest person in the world, you're just like, oh, yeah. leave me alone till I get this into me, and then, you know, we can kind of speak, you know, my kind of dream thing is, you wouldn't even call it a dream, really, really. I just go and cop on my beer, provide her for my wife and kids, man. Yeah. Get off the heroin, you know what I mean? You say, how do yeah. yeah. I? My mother used to always stay, say to me, stay away from that stuff, boy. Don't go in there, because yeah. like, I used to be above among giants stuff. She'd be like, don't you go in there. I'd be like, and what would you say to your man there that's just got into the doorway with the needle to shoot up? How would you how tell would you him to. Him, like, how would you approach him to, to get off it? I don't know. You wouldn't have to approach someone, I think. Like, you probably sit down and have a, ch- have a chat with them. Like, I let them know, like, for, for me, like, it likes me know if I got myself clean and got myself good. Like, I got told, like, like if I do when things work out for me, like, I'm going for a job in counselling, even if it was just, yeah. even if it was just to go up to the meetings and just do one or two of the meetings. I always said, I'd say in front of anybody, I love it. I love treatment and I, I love the aspect of it. Like, there's no better, no better feeling getting up in the morning like I'm, I'm being normal you know yeah do you know like being not having to wear short pants and do you know being able to wear the short pants I know yeah. that sounds stupid no well, no but, but you, like, you haven't been able to do that yeah you have to put on three or four jumpers and but, but like, how did how, boy, how did know? you start in the first place I, st- I started going over there three friends and they were smoking in the bedroom and they were like enjoy one one I was like away with that stuff man and then I went over the following night and they were smoking again. They went over the night after. They were smoking yeah. again. It was like, what's happening? It was like putting petrol on the fire. I went over then again, and I said, give us one or two drags of it. And what was uh, it that started you? Um, it was like, I was sniffing. I yeah. was sniffing solvents at six years of age, seven years of age. Do you know what I mean? And what, would, what, would, what would drive a six-year-old to start sniffing solvents? Well... Uh, I don't know, looking back, no. Frick, I'll touch you. Uh, do you say you're smoking? Find the needle there, no? Yeah, it's capped. Is it capped? All right. She owed me, she owed me a score, kid, here. Yeah. yeah, she owed me a score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel all right now after that, do you? Yeah, he's after that, yeah. I still didn't get it into me. Like, no. He still get that into me. He'd be like a demon now till he get down to it. That now there is like, that's like, he's, he's dinner. He won't be. So he's even walking now. Yeah. Like, he'd be like, no, in a few minutes. Terrible, like, you would be dying. Yeah. You'd be literally, could be like, on your knees, man. You could be like that. Like, and just, just that then, like, you're just... Yeah. You're not happy. You're not like, yay, if everything is brilliant. You're just yeah. normal, you know what I mean? You know? Wow. Who? I don't know. 
But uh, you just feel normal, you're normal again. But as you said a while ago anyway, uh, about, about taking drugs to, uh, for the first time. Yeah. I'd say it was abuse off my stepfather. Somebody looking for a deal there, is there? No. Hello, I don't deal, I don't deal drugs. Uh, no? No, I don't deal drugs. All right. Hello. What's up? Yeah, what's happening? That's um, Monday morning in the city. Quite disturbing. Uh, Seamus and... Uh, uh, Bernard O'Hare, one of the advocates for the homeless on the streets of Cork on Monday morning. Uh, there was a reference there to um, you know, uh, reviving each other, and I didn't quite follow that, so I was chatting with Seamus about it. What what did that mean when, when users and addicts revive each other? And apparently they revive each other with an EpiPen filled with a thing called naloxone. Uh, it's used to block the effects of opiates uh, while awaiting medical attention. Usually it would be used by paramedics. Uh, but they must have some uh, and uh, they must have EpiPens to revive each other. I might revive you this morning and you might revive me uh, a little air, a little later on in the day. Um, so when you talk about uh, what's being used, of course, it's heroin and obviously uh, smoking crack cocaine, but also incense, uh, which is available and sold in, in pouches uh, on the streets and indeed in, in particular retail establishments in the city as well. Um, it's sold for, for another use, but then it's misused and, and it's smoked, it's incense, and that stuff is absolutely lethal. A lot of the time, that's where you see people who do look like zombies or do like look like The Walking Dead. There's a strong possibility that they're smoking incense uh, as well as perhaps heroin and crack cocaine or whatever they can get their hands on. Uh, there you have it, lads. Uh, Monday morning in the city, quite disturbing, quite depressing. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And meanwhile, it is Friday, so it's a free food Friday again today, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. So brighten up your weekend with um, some pizza. And this uh, prize will feed 15 of you. So we're talking about six large pizzas, garlic breads, potatoes, drinks, dips, and desserts. So it really is a banquet uh, to head into the weekend, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillabby Street, and Douglas Village. So I want you to text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. Who you are and where you are, where you're working or who you're working with, text 0868 104 106. And we'll start the shout outs in about 20 minutes' time. And if that wasn't enough for you, a 1,000 euro voucher today, a 1,000 euro to spend at Easy Living Interiors. Ie, So you can uh, scoop it for yourself uh, and buy whatever you want to brighten up the home, whatever parts of the home, courtesy of ourselves and easy living. But with that in mind, uh, for Friday and for a thousand euro, you need to identify two famous people hiding behind the sofa. Don't call just yet. I'll play it a few times between now and a quarter to midday. Two people. I don't know. I don't know. That after, I don't need to hear all those stories. <laughs> Who are they? Two famous people hiding behind the sofa. An easy living uh, sofa, mind you. So a thousand euro. We'll play it a couple of times between now and midday. And also, remember, it's an Ed Sheeran Friday as well. Tickets for Ed Sheeran. You're listening out for an Ed Sheeran song. Lines open at one 106 I was chatting in studio with the very brave Leona Birmingham uh, earlier in the week. Leona and her partner Glenn, of course, discovered that the brain of their baby son Lee was incinerated in Antwerp, unknown to them. And God knows they weren't alone. Since my conversation with Leona, I received uh, an email and photocopies of documentation back and forth with the HSE um, from another parent who said, I lost my little girl at 23 weeks. 
on September 23rd, 2016. We had signed a form to allow us to do a post-mortem, but just a post-mortem. After the post-mortem was done, we were not told that they retained any organ. But we received a phone call from a counsellor to ask us, this was some time later, we received a phone call from a counsellor to ask us, what would we like to do with the organ? I was speechless on the, on the phone as I thought I buried my daughter with everything. We were so traumatised and had to reopen the grave to bury the organ with our daughter. We've had many sleepless nights thinking she was buried, uh, now that we know that she was buried for a long period of time, without her brain. Is another example of the trauma and the anguish and the hurt on Lee's side. But it did make the doll, actually, this this entire scandal. It did make the doll during the week with Mick Barry, the Solidarity TT for Cork North Centre. He posed a question to Stephen Donnelly in the doll yesterday and he got straight to the point and he didn't give up in fairness to him and he was posing a question on behalf of the 18 families caught up in this recent organ retention scandal at the CUMH. He, he referenced Leona and Glenn and the bravery of telling their story and he wanted to ask uh, the Stephen Donnelly, on behalf of them and the 17 other families, he said, and we found out that they were contacted, of course, in mid-May 2020 uh, by phone. And then they received um, registered letters. And I remember Leona telling me this on air. And I'll talk to Mick about this in a second. But he wanted to ask, um, when were the letters registered, sent? Were the families told at the time, May 2020, that their baby's organs and tissues had been sent to Belgium with medical waste for incineration? Were they told in either the phone calls or the registered letters in May of 2020, were their baby's organs, and in the case of Leona and Glenn, of course, little Lee's brain, were they sent with medical waste, clinical waste for incineration uh, in Belgium? And Mick Barry joins me by phone. Mick, good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. Did he answer your question? He uh, basically said that he wasn't able to. Um, he uh, Basically, my question was to say, uh, were these families informed that their baby's organs and tissues were sent abroad for incineration along with medical waste? And he went around the houses for three or four minutes. You had to ask him more than twice, maybe three times. Yeah, well... I can be like a dog with a bone, as you know yourself. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. he uh, eventually said that the investigation that's taking place at CUH, which is due to report uh, in November, early November, uh, will answer all of those questions. Uh, so essentially, he said that he didn't know. That was basically where it went. All he knew was about... May 2020, phone calls to the families, followed up by a registered letter to the families, and that was it? That was it, yeah. Uh, and he said that there's a number of investigations now underway. Um, two of them are at the hospital, and um, that will be November uh, to find out exactly what happened, where and when, uh, and why the guidelines weren't adhered to. I'll make a point about that in a minute. Uh, and then uh, a, a, a third HSE investigation where basically every hospital in the state has been written to uh, asking, uh, has anything remotely similar to this happened in uh, those hospitals? And that's reporting at the end of October. The point about the guidelines... Be careful now because, you know, if you're looking for heads or anything here, you don't have doll privilege on the air. So just be careful when you're referencing guidelines and individuals perhaps that didn't follow guidelines. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll box, box clever here, uh, Neil. Uh, essentially, the point that uh, I'd like to make is 
that the minister stated in the doll yesterday that there were HSE guidelines and that the HSE guidelines were not followed in this case. Um, so if you were to ask the question as to whether any law had been broken, um, he's saying guidelines, but not a law. And the reason why not a law is that unlike in the UK, governments here have not legislated to put this type of situation beyond the law and to make it illegal. Now, they could have done it and they should have done it. When you had, you'll remember the Parents for Justice group, you used to have the late Donnie Murphy on your show. Yes. And those campaigners um, brought out into the open, blew the whistle on what happened down through the decades with retention of organs. Organs, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and we had a big scandal about it maybe 12, 15 years ago. Uh, and a whole load of reports that have gone on to minister shelves. But something similar happened in the UK at the time, and the UK government brought in new laws and legislated to say, this ain't ever going to happen again, and if it does, you're breaking the law. Fianna Fáil and Fine led governments here did not bring in legislation. They brought in guidelines. So the guidelines seem to have been uh, broken. They shouldn't have been broken. But a guideline is quite weak compared to a law. A law, yeah. You asked, him, law. yeah. You, you asked him about the 18 families in total, didn't you? And the vast majority of them got... You asked him about the fact that they only got a phone call to tell them about incineration, clinical waste, the night before prime time. Do you respond to that? He said that uh, he would be very angry if that was the case. Um, but again, he didn't know the position and he wanted that to come out in the investigation. Um, um, it seems that there were phone calls made from the hospital to parents the night before primetime investigates. Correct. Uh, it may not have been the case that details were given about organs and tissue being sent to another country in, in waste bags with uh, medical waste for incineration. Uh, but there's going to be some news on this and we'll be in touch with you and stay in touch this type of thing at the very last minute. To go back briefly to the point about the law, pressed on the issue of the law, he says that there will be legislation introduced early in the new year. We, we should keep a very close eye on that one. So are they taking this seriously at all level, do you think? Um, or is this just a local issue? I mean, are they really, is it, is it right to call it? Do they realise that it is a scandalous thing? Well, it wouldn't have been on the Dáil agenda this week if it were not for uh, three TDs standing up at order of business on Tuesday and insisting that there would be not just a debate but questions from the minister on it, right? Yeah. I, I can't for the life of me remember who the third one was, but certainly the first two were Mary Lou MacDonald and myself, okay? Um, so it wouldn't have been on the agenda if it wasn't for that. Uh, I think uh, they would have liked to have you know, moved on quickly in relation to this. But I think just as it was the Parents for Justice uh, and the campaigners who put it on the agenda 10, 12 years ago, I think the likes of uh, Leona and Glenn being so brave and speaking out so articulately on the issue and then the media coverage that has got means that um, they might want to walk away from this one, but... They're not really able to. And just finally, I mean, what will the outcome to this be? Perhaps like all outcomes in the past, we're sorry, we apologise, we've learned from it, now move on. Is it? I mean, are, is that as far as this will go? What else can be done? Well, we'll have to see what's in that report. Um, uh, I mean, decisions were made 
by departments and decisions were made by people. Now, I'm always wary in, in situations like this that someone down the food chain uh, gets the rap. And, you know, I'm not a fan of that type of approach. But who were the senior people in the hospital who, when this was brought to their attention by senior medical staff who said this is seriously wrong, replied by saying, mm, this isn't really a serious issue. And they were more worried about the negative publicity for the hospital yeah, than they, they were about parents. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we need to find out more about uh, who was who was saying and those t- doing... Oh, those but are you saying ultimately for someone it's a resignation issue, is it? Well, let's see what comes out in the, in the report. But I think if anyone is saying at the moment that there'll be no heads rolling over this, that would be a wrong position to take. It's too early to make that call. OK, appreciate it, Mick. Thank you so much uh, for taking the sure. call this morning. Uh, Mick Barry, TD. Lines open at one 106 Thank you to everybody who contacted me with this because I did get various texts and emails and indeed uh, other families also. But it all started, of course, with Leona and Glenn. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back after ten. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. And it being Friday, we try and throw as much as we can by way of brightening up your weekend. A pair of uh, Ed Sheeran tickets for the Parky Queef gig on April 29th of next year. This is the extra date that was added last week. So you're listening out for Ed Sheeran's new single. Shiver. When you hear it, be call it 10 on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. If you don't know the song, Shivers, have a listen to this. All right, sometime between now and midday, when you hear the entire song, get on the phone, scoop a couple of tickets for Ed Sheeran, live at Porky Cueve next year, April 29th. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show I don't know, poor old Greyhound doesn't even have a name I don't know, they probably gave the Greyhound a name at this stage down in Kent Greyhound arrived uh, for the Dublin train yesterday morning um, and uh, I've no update, we still don't know whether anybody has come looking for the Greyhound back but the uh, staff down in Kent Station are certainly looking after the Greyhound. If I have an update across the morning, I'll give it to you. But I did get an email from Greyhound Racing Ireland in Limerick, and this says, we'd be grateful for any update or information you may have on the stray Greyhound. We would be in a position to identify this Greyhound and subsequently its owners through its ear tattoos or maybe a microchip number. Ear tattoos are generally in a particular format in the ear. So thank you for that, Barry Coleman. If I have an update across the morning from Kent Station, but they, I imagine if the dog had been reunited with whoever owns the dog or uh, wherever the dog lives, I possibly would have heard back from Kent by now. That poor dog must have been dumped, Neil. No dog would leave their pups like that. It's a beautiful greyhound. She's just gorgeous. Maybe the dog was looking to get the greyhound bus, says Terry, and ended up on the train instead. Oh man, take the dog to the vet. They can check if the dog is chipped and find the registered owner. A red setter on CIE buses and now a greyhound on a train. <laughs> I love these. Ask the guys to check the dog's ears. We've done that. So if I have an update, I'll come back to you on it. Then with uh, our story yesterday on yet another tumble dryer that went on fire. The same tumble dryers are going on fire all of the time. The BBC has covered these facts on many consumer programs. The manufacturers of these appliances offer a free service on the appliance if contacted, but the faulty units are still on sale in the shops. Like, how do you know that you need um, a repair job done if it hasn't gone on fire yet? Uh, but the free service is a good idea, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like that, that might be something that the people should think about and check out as to whether there is a free service available on your 
on your tumble dryer. If there's anything to learn here, it's only use the tumble dryer during the day and when you are in the house. And one final one, just a very important thing to remember in relation to house fires. When you're asleep, you can't smell anything. When the alarm wakes you, it may cost you those very important minutes you need to get everyone out of the house so people do not take any risks. And that crash that we dealt with yesterday morning, that's in a place called O'Leary's Cross down east. Um, Jen from Sparkle, of course, in a very bad accident down there. Just letting you know that my office is putting in representations regarding, uh, or at least did last week, uh, how dangerous O'Leary's Cross is, says Pat Buckley, the TD for East Cork. The County Council informed me that the safety scheme is in place for the roads, but there's a delay in the land purchase scheme. Uh, I don't know, you mean, I don't know what that means really. Does it mean that they're going to try and change the crossroads in some way, shape or form? And then following a conversation with Catherine Corliss yesterday, nothing is going to change, and two mother and baby home, nothing is going to change in this country. We have seen priests and brothers before the courts to this day. I've even seen a nun brought to court and I doubt we ever, uh, I've, to this day, I have never ever seen a nun brought to court for what they did and I doubt if I ever will um, says Anthony what an amazing lady Catherine Corliss she is, every single word she speaks is true and every single thing she has done is incredible so selfless people like her deserve so much recognition and ironically people like this don't want or don't need recognition it's a fantastic show Neil thank you for talking to her I will buy Catherine's book says Jen and Douglas and one final one I'm fully convinced that a lot of those babies died because they were never hugged the nuns must have been afraid to touch these babies, that they must have thought that evil would be transferred to them from the babies. May God forgive them for their foolishness. So all that and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. An update from Leona Birmingham in the last few seconds, lads. Um, Lee's mammy uh, and Lewis's mammy. I'm listening this morning, as I do every morning, and I just wanted to let you know, we didn't know our son's brain was incinerated in Antwerp until we met with the hospital in November, six months after the May phone call. If we didn't question them at that point at that meeting or get uh, freedom of information, I believe they would never have told us that our son's brain brain was incinerated with clinical waste in Antwerp. They never told us in the first phone call in May 2020. They never told us in the registered letter. And, and by the way, lads, this is very important for Mick Barry, actually, because these are the types of questions that the minister wasn't able to answer him in the doll yesterday. Uh, they were never told in the phone call or the registered letter anything about incineration in Antwerp. A lot of other families, she said, have been in contact with me since going public. They told me they didn't realize the organs were incinerated abroad until the night before primetime aired, when they were again contacted by the hospital the night before primetime. Neil, thank you so much for highlighting it again today. Well, thank you, Leona, for coming back and clarifying it. That's very important for us as, as listeners and as, as Corkonians. Also very important for Mick Barry and the doll that he knows that because that was one of the questions that he couldn't get answered. So we'll keep the pressure on until we get answers for Leona, for Glenn and all 18 families. Lines open at one 104 106 Back to the phone lines we go. George, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Um, yeah, drugs, 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 uh, ju- and just getting yeah. worse. Um, are, are, yeah. are you? Are you? Are you a relation to the late Leon? Um, I'm Leon Duncan. All right, lovely, lovely guy. Um, Our condolences yeah. with all of the family on his passing. No, no, it, no. it isn't as if he didn't try. He tried very hard. Yeah, he tried hard. He did it. He did. Lovely um, guy. Yeah. My reason about me is that chappies on the radio before the break they are highlighting about the drugs on the bus, right? Yeah. Um, Robert. Look, I'm in Cox City, I'm 60 old going. 
I see this every day, every day, every side of the city. As I tell the researcher before I got into here, we speak with you. I, I came up to Mayfield two weeks ago, down the side of the Cotton Ball Club, Kelly Lane. There was a syringe on the footpath. I passed it on. I called it on. I went into the local bar and I got a pair of gloves. I came back and picked it up, bought it home. I got rid of it in my own way. Yeah. It's everywhere on me. It's not just the city centre. Yeah. And That's a syringe with a needle on it now, you're saying, on, yeah, the, on the footpath. Correct. correct right. yeah. Yeah. I went into the local bar, the cold bar, and I asked to go behind the clubs for a pair of gloves, which she gave me. I picked that syringe up. No, there could have been that more around the place, but it's everywhere on me. Everywhere you go up. Five or six uh, years ago, we would be horrified when we heard of the odd syringe on the steps of a, co- of a city car park, remember? Well, that's right. That's but right. now we're at a different level, and it's only, it's only getting worse. It's worse, Neil. It's getting worse. I'm getting back to you, Neil. I, I, I came on the radio this morning just to see these young people in Cork City. Tell them, boys. Please, tell them if they can stay away from it, because they're going to end up the same as my nephew ended up. And my sister's in bits. She's had only two sons and six years. I spoke to her on yeah. the air la- earlier in the week. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, right. Now, I was yeah. away on holidays and I, I, I told that story yesterday. Yeah. I just yeah. want to thank you and your staff and Paul Bond and TV3 for bringing this into the, into the open again because it's just someone out there, they're going to tell you, don't tell you again, they're going to bother you. Know? I know, I know. It's still very raw I, for you. Yeah. Oh, God, almighty. Like, we're a big family. We had a lot of tragedies over the years. And it's very bad for you, but it's heartbreaking for Christine, your sister. Oh, my God. Now, you know, I looked at just a TV3. I, I, I couldn't leave the whole sister. I see my sister highlighting it again, you know. And she's the best woman you could have me. Hell-walking woman. And did you oh, did hell. you engage with Leon, your nephew, yeah. trying to help and, him? On many occasions. many occasions. I met him in town three or four months before he passed. And then outside, he's in the industry. I said, Leon, I'll meet you tomorrow at two o'clock outside the Savoy Centre. And he said, Uncle Charles, where's the Savoy Centre? I said, the Savoy Centre's over. Where the street engines give you food. Okay, Uncle Charles, that's because me. I, I was there at 2 o'clock. I waited at 4 o'clock. No sign of him. I was all walking the following day up around the mountain. I, I bumped into him. I saw him because I couldn't make it. I said, OK. I said, listen, you'll have to burn your older brother. Your, your mother can't go through this again. So three months later, he was gone, you know. What would he so, say to you when you would when you would encourage him and say things like that? He, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, George. I don't know what you, my man or my family, but... I will get better. Yes, I, okay. It's gone on for months and months. My sister tried everything for him, you know. Um, he's a good young player. He, he's never bought the girls. So I thought my heart was going to break when Christine was telling me on the air that she would see him in town in doorways and approach him and give him food yeah. or, or money and he yeah. didn't know her. He didn't know his mother. No, no, really. And that's true. That's true. You know, I'm not a good kid. Good looking young player. Why was he, you know, tell us a little bit about Leon when he was... Uh, when he was a small little young fella. Yeah, I was a good child, you know. Um, sexually well mild, the same age. There was no one, but none of the others. They got everything they wanted. He was spotlessly clean. A good kid, he'd go to school. Bright enough, you know. Yeah. Loved yeah. his, loved his football. Um, loved his cigarette. I mean, the dogs have called him Neil, and 
Like we tried everything for him. And, and did you observe him maybe falling into the wrong company as a young fella, George, or what? I actually, I actually did Neil only about two or three years ago when I came around the tongue. I, I called him beside, and I said, "My older brother," I said, "He's going down the wrong road," and which he did, and God help us. Christine tried everything for him. I know. And um, like his older brother got to England. Good young fella. He was going down the slippery road as well, but he got his life together. He did. He took off to England after his steps and stuff. He's walking away and he's, he came back for the funeral and he said, he said I was speaking to him at the funeral and I said, what's happening? I'm walking and doing well. He's a person in England and he's doing well. But he got up here to Jesus to get the kid up where he is. But he Leon, broke the Leon, cycle? He broke the cycle then, Leon's brother, and left Cork? He did, he did left Cork because like, the, the night of Leon's funeral above in Shandler Street, Carlin's, there was three fellas across the road looking across Carlin's, my neighbourhood that's in England now. And we just had the water. I said, don't go there, but please don't go there. We'll end up like Leon inside there. Oh, and he didn't. And thank Touchwood, he's gone back to England and he's doing well from I know, because it takes a split second to slip, doesn't it? Very easy. Very easy. <laughs> I, like, I mean this in my heart. She's the greatest woman. That, and she works hard for those children. They'll never go out to anything. Or spotlessly clean. They're good, 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 good I don't woman. doubt it. I you don't know, doubt it. And all of us, like, that broke my heart just to see that, you know. I don't doubt it. Yeah, yeah so, Nina just went highlighted. All right. Like, it's everywhere. It's not just Cox City. It's, it's all the outskirts of us in the city. And I can see it up here. They've been saying doorways up here as well enough. They'll be in here, they're nowhere. It's not the you city know? you remember from 20 or 30 years ago. No, 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 no. It's worse, by It's worse. It's I know one fellow. He's inside in town, Neil. He's right. And the girls know him. He's up and down perhaps. He's in town more times than... You know, he shouldn't be. But I know what he's asked and I know him. Dealing. He's dealing. Here's yeah. a question for you before I let you go because it needs to be asked and this is not necessarily a criticism but if if Seamus Whelan on Monday morning uh, on the streets of Cork saw the dealers actively dealing, why didn't the Gardaí or why didn't undercover Gardaí? It was so blatant on McCurtain Street, on Harley Street, on Anderson's Quay, on Patrick's Quay and around the Simon... Like they're they're like they're there to be arrested. They're they're in in broad daylight dealing. Why why don't the guards see them? Well, I don't know. Have we enough resources in in in, in, in this country in this town? But it, but I, but I have to put it to you that at the same times every week, a lot of the time on Monday mornings in key areas, the same thing is happening week in week out. So me, you don't have to catch me. anybody by surprise. They're they're there like. I don't know what the system is by, but actually, it's they need they need more undercover girls in, 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 in this town because there's not enough girls in the city anyway for, for the start. You know what I mean? Like you break a red light, you be pulled. <laughs> I know, but it just seems so. It just seems so obvious to me if they know the times of the day, they know the places, and they know the people, and you can actively see them dealing. Yeah. Just get a couple of guards. Yeah, but I think what they're looking for is the big, the big fish. Like you can see in the paper every night of the week, fellas getting off the trails in Dublin with big stacks. But if you don't move, if you don't take out the, yeah, I know, but if you don't take out you the know? small-time dealer who's giving heroin to the likes of your late uh, nephew, um, it's pointless going after the big guys if you're not taking the circulation out. Uh, yeah, that's the other side of the I mean, yeah. But as I said, yeah, that needs to be done. It needs to be, someone has to act on it very quickly because there's going to be a lot of other children out there someone's son or daughter and they're going to go on the same road as Paul O'Leary went down, you know? I know. I know. And, uh, look, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two wrongs will make a right, but 
Thank you so much, Joy. Look after yourself. I know you're upset. Okay, and thanks for your time. Stay Thank in you. touch. Look after yourself. Okay, Cheers. Right. I did you. get a text in saying you are so factually inaccurate. Um, this is from the report from Monday morning. Overdoses and deaths by overdose have reduced drastically in Cork in the last, last four years. Thank you for that text. You are right, of course. Um, and, you know, I, I don't have an issue with you saying that. I actually heard them saying that within Simon and the news at 10 o'clock, saying that the amount of uh, overdoses have drastically reduced in Cork over the last four years. But I failed to see, um, you know, why that makes anything any better. I, I don't believe that it makes anything any better. In actual fact, things have got worse. Overdoses might be down, as you're saying, and maybe perhaps even deaths from overdose are down. But the scourge is getting worse. And that's the only, that's the only picture that I'm actually trying to paint. Um, so while you are factually right, I, I actually don't see why that makes anything any better. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, just quickly with regards to the Greyhound uh, that uh, came into Kent Station and got on the Dublin train yesterday morning. I have an update for you on that. Vincent Cashman from the CSPA, um, CSPC, I should say. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You have him. Her, I should say. It's a her, isn't yes. it? Yes. There was a call came in yesterday from a member of the public, and uh, Barry, one of our dog wardens, went over to Kent Station and picked her up. And has she got one of these identification tags on her ear or anything like that? No, she didn't. There's no tags in her ear, uh, or there's no t- tattoo in her ear, and she wasn't microchipped either. But the um, the owner of the dog, or the owner's father, was in contact with us this morning. And um, they're coming off to reclaim the dog. Oh, there. that's yeah, great news. Were they, were they yeah. delighted to hear where she is? I suppose they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the dog is lost, anybody that's... that's um, well cared for and everything. It looks like released. a beautiful dog. Uh, lovely dog. Um, like, we give it the... Uh, but it'll be microchip now and registered before it leaves here as well. Yeah, so, and um, did the, did the family know, know any idea as to how she got on the 8 o'clock train to Dublin, No. What we had heard <laughs> is that we, that was news to us about the train. Um, we just heard that the dog was inside in the, um, inside in the railway station. Sitting up in one of the seats with another passenger across from her. Socially distancing, hopefully. <laughs> Socially um, distancing to Dublin. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it has been vaccinated, feed warm now, the usual bits and pieces. And um, hopefully we'll be back in front of... Um, yeah. In front of a heater or inside the front room again of a house. And, and um, like, happy dog, like, you know, just... Oh, happy dog, yeah. No problems whatsoever with the dog. <laughs> very. All right, so that'll happen very, today, uh, is it? Friendly. The handover today, is it? The handover is today, yeah. Right, exactly. well Listen, thanks so much. You deal with no all problem. sorts of stories. Appreciate it, Vincent. Thank you. No problem. Cheers. And thanks also to everybody at Kent Station. And also with that lovely photograph that the staff at Kent sent us. Appreciate it, every one of you. So happy days. Dog will be reunited with the family a little later on today. Uh, lots of texts and emails. Can I please do our first batch of free food Friday shout-outs, courtesy of ourselves, an Oak Fire Pizza. This will feed 15 of you. Lots of pizza. Six of the big ones with lots of different sides. So morning to everybody. Union Hall smoked fish. All of the hard-working staff down in Union Hall. To the orthopedic and spinal unit of the matter, private hospital working hard. They'd love some uh, fresh, hot stone-baked pizza. Uh, to all of the drivers at Moynihan Couriers and Ballycoreen. Love pizza, particularly Grace and Sorsha in the office and 
all of the drivers. Um, to Rebecca in McCroom and her sister Marcella, who has a double confirmation party for a daughter and a son this weekend, and they'd love pizza. To everybody who's listening at BCE Consulting Engineers and EBO Home Rescue. All of the staff would like to nominate their staff. We're all down at Kent Station working and all of the Kent Station staff looking after the Greyhound. To everybody at Architectural and Metal Systems in Little Island, good morning to all of you. Um, to everybody at Paddy Powers in Grona Braher, Leisure World in Churchfield, Brothers of Charity Day Service, Art Fallon Late Night Pharmacy, St. Killian Special School. Good morning to everybody at Healy's Bread Distribution at the Mayfield Business Park. We'd love some pizza. Just another few. ADM Security Locksmiths on Tremor Road, Waterstones Clinic, uh, TK Maxx in Douglas, Glenline Fitted for Furniture and Ballyvalan to everybody at Ardara Activation Centre at the Cope Foundation to the staff at Pieta House and also at Amari Ireland. Okay, so keep those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106 and we'll do some more shout outs in 30 minutes time. Meanwhile, uh, Ita standing by. So is Mary. First up, Jim. Jim, good morning. Me, how are you? Just how are you like? Good. Just move around a tiny bit if you don't mind, Jim. Yeah, Go ahead. Just a quick thing on, on the four guys in the street and all the guys taking the drugs, you know. If, if we're going to help them, right, we really need to stop giving them money. People that are up and down the street now when they ask for a couple of coppers, don't give it to them. You're funding the habit. You're keeping them on the street. Don't do it. And they, like, if they have no money, they won't be able to buy drugs. If they can't buy drugs, the drug dealers have Well, to that's not altogether true because the dealers um, hold their social welfare cards and their, and their documents and give it to them on a Monday morning to go in and get dole. And the dealers yeah, take the cards back only, off them. But neither that's only a day's drug taking. They're doing it seven days a week. Would there be much money to be made begging? Absolutely. So there's loads. They make, they make, they could make a hundred euros a day, I suppose. There's no hassle there, but stop giving it to them. If there wasn't money in it, they wouldn't be begging. Anyway, look, that's only one issue. We need to help these guys. They're all going to die. They're all in big trouble. And they all need to become water state. We need to take them off the streets and we need to help them. You can't expect Simon and St. Vincent to to these like this. Just their homing agencies. No, I know that. They're not drug agencies. We are I know. It's a, cr- it's a chronic phone line, Jim, unfortunately, unless we can improve it. And if we can, I'll come back to you. Mary, good morning. Hi, who are you? I was making the point there that if we could see it on Monday morning, um, and it was quite obvious the dealing that was goes on, going on, why can't the guards see it on Monday morning? The guards, basically, they're up to 90. Between um, the, what I call the soft drug, um, marijuana or weed, um, they'll go after the weed dealers because they can have them up in court and the weed dealers can pay the fine that the judge will throw at them. Same with the cocaine. I've been sitting in the courthouse listening to this and you will not see a heroin dealer up there done for heroin. That's a killer drug that will kill people but it seems that there's no money to be made. So the guardies' hands are tied because there's no centres they can put them into to help them because when they will kill for their drug literally kill their grandmother for their drug because they have no money. If they have no money, they have no drug. Therefore, they will kill their grandmother for their drug. Mm. So basically what they need is a centre. Put them all into the centre. Mightn't kill their grandmother, but they probably would rob the misfortunes, wouldn't they? No, they wouldn't. I have been talking to drug dealers and they have taught me that they would kill their granny for drugs. They would literally kill their granny for the money for the drug because it's a heroin drug, which means it's a it's a killer drug. If they don't get it, they're in like God knows what they would do to get money for it. They're in serious pain. They're in serious pain. 
literally, if you smoke marijuana, you laugh, you joke, you fall asleep. You take heroin, you will be up all night, your life is gone. You're like a vampire, literally like a vampire. So it's as much as pain as a, as a craving and an addiction. It's actual physical pain, you're saying? It's physical, physical, serious physical pain. My friend Gwyneth, she died of it. Basically, she said that they'd be up all night, they were like vampires, their lives are gone. They're in physical pain, breaking out in cold sweats. Every part of their body is aching in pain they want to shoot themselves so basically they need their drugs how how long does it take to get that way clearly not after the first few injections now does that happen over time look sorry no what happens is they start taking it they start smoking it they start using it on silver paper uh basically what they do i mean like read up on it it's a joke like it's a serious drug that nobody's doing nothing about it's been here for the last 30 years and nobody's doing nothing about it because sure they have no money so you can't actually find them and say oh you were caught there with your bit of weed uh, no I'm not, I'm not I wasn't talking about the addicts I was talking about the dealers where we saw on Monday morning active dealing going on why? Yeah, but should they have to pay off somebody else to turn a blind eye obviously or maybe it's um my attitude is like it's up along the ranks basically it's up along the ranks I don't know I don't know I don't follow it I don't follow any of that I mean it's just it's just you know a, a guard of service doing what a guard of service should be doing that is arresting dealers have you you know when you said that you're in you're in court do you go in there to observe and watch basically I go in there to actually to be quite honest with you, I've been in there because I was going through um, a situation with a bar. Okay. Okay. I well, I won't even. I won't even go. I won't even go into that. So when you're in the court no, for your own reasons, all right. When you're in the courts for your own personal reason, you see other cases going on at the same time. You see all the cases going on. So the cases that I've seen when I was in there was uh, your your you were found with a bit of weed. You will get fined. Uh, the going rate was 50 euros the judge would slap it down and go you're getting 50 euro fine for your bit of weed yeah. and a bit of weed wouldn't kill you do you yeah. know what I mean yeah. Yeah. but then if it's a coke dealer he would be fined 100 euros because it's coke now coke can kill you as well but heroin I've never seen a heroin dealer up in court for heroin I have not seen anybody up in court for heroin and did you ever did you ever experiment with any of those yourself no, no, I didn't, but I had a very close friend of mine, uh, so I'm sticking a needle in his arm and basically uh, talked to his wife and his wife said to me she had to join him to be on the same level as him, so she got help, her mother actually took her over. Alright, okay, you, and what about him? He basically ended up dead. He ended up dead. He couldn't come off it because he was after taking to the needle, and basically he would have he would have actually killed his grandmother, literally for so, a fix for money for so, heroin. Yeah, yeah. So like you stop the money or you stop the methadone, you will have break-ins. You will have like. The, uh, Jim, what's the so for Jim to say stop giving them money on the streets or whatever, you wouldn't agree That's with not that. Going to work. No, okay. give them their give them their methadone because. If they have no, if they have no heroin, they are in. But sure, wait a second. Just before I let you go, methadone's been available for years and years and years, but yet it's getting worse. How is methadone a solution? Basically, they can wean themselves off. They can wean themselves off gently, gently. It's like having a headache 
and taking the anodin or having a migraine and taking whatever, you can actually wean yourself off. I mean, like, Heron has been here for the last 30 years because I got off a plane, came back from Europe when I was working in Europe and came back and the first thing I was offered 30 years ago was, do you want a bit of heroin? And I said, no, thank you. Now, the person that offered me that, basically, is still alive today and still dealing. And what are the guards doing about it? No, there's no money in it. We leave them off. We leave them off. Same as the rapists. Same as the, the people that fucking abuse children. Now, well, we do see court cases for all of those. We do. Well, uh, very rare. Very well, rare. M- very maybe rare. not half enough, but they are before the courts. All right. Okay, Mary, thank you for that. Um, shocking and all as it is. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Text still coming in regarding the divisiveness of a COVID bonus and who should get it. I drive a bin lorry. It was actually busier during lockdown as everyone was at home. We were so busy. What about us courier drivers probably were the same sounds a bit unfair to be talking about certain sections of society what about firefighters what about all the work we did medically and everything else do we get considered Uh, apparently yes uh, firefighters are now in the mix a lot of people gave up construction including myself the money wasn't good enough you make more money in a factory and much easier work you also get health insurance and other perks. And that's as a result of COVID as well. When construction stopped, many people got other jobs. Postal workers for the extra bonus. We were busier than ever. We were delivering. We were, peop- we were people's only way for ordering essentials in all the years I've been delivering. I never put down such a busy year. Another one here. Home care workers. Totally forgotten. Aldi, Lidl, all gave mass. These are massive companies that made massive promise, uh, profits. They should give bonuses to their staff directly. In the private sector, says Wendy, not a bonus from the state or from the taxpayer, from the massive companies themselves. Um, what about carers who looked after the elderly and children in their homes and kept them safe throughout the pandemic, putting themselves at risk for them and their families? What about them? Another one, the bonus should only be for healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, kitchen staff and hospitals, cleaners. End of It's ridiculous to be considering giving it to the whole public sector. No other member of the public sector risked their lives in a pandemic. No other civil servant. It was the people on the front line. Lots of my colleagues are still out with long COVID from long-term health complications. This is from an angry nurse when she says, colleagues, she's talking about other nurses uh, who are out with long COVID. Um, Health complications, psychologically traumatized from experiences they had. You cannot compare that to bus drivers. Medical secretaries, teachers, office workers. I can't believe the government are even considering this. Just look to other European countries to see what they did. Healthcare bonus. It's the name. Um, it's, it's in the name. It's a healthcare bonus for healthcare staff. Uh, I think that's an angry nurse saying that everybody else should back off. Um, and then there's many people talking about bank holidays and what have you. And we'll come back to more of those. Lots of other texts coming in from other people who also feel that they worked front and centre over the past 18 months or so. Okay, so I will come back to those. Oh, incidentally, for anybody, and, and um, I just want to mention this because Declan was in touch. He said he found a sum of money, some of cash in an envelope on the Lee Road. And he said, Neil, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you could call it out on air. Now, Declan's given me his mobile. Um, only call if it's yours, incidentally, because, um, you know, you probably need to know how much money was in it before Declan would give it to you anyway. But this was a sum of money found on the Lee Road. 
it might come as a relief to whomever lost it. Get in touch with us. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 1850 104 106. And don't forget, sometime between now and midday, it's like an Ed FM day here today at Red FM. You are listening out for Ed Sheeran's song, Shivers, the new single. Caller 10 wins tickets for next year. What song is it? It's this song, right? <laughs> When you hear the entire song, and it could happen between now and midday, actually, let me tell you, it will happen between now and midday. Call it 10 wins, two tickets. All right, 1-850-104-106. Oh, the crack we had yesterday um, uh, on air. I was talking to the fashion contributor, Mary Jane O'Regan, and also talking to Brenda, who um, is a particular size, tidy size, not a bother. But yeah, when she goes in looking for sizes in shops, they're not they're not the same. A lot of text on that. Most clothes are made in Asian countries. They use models the size of Asian women who are much smaller than Western women. Also, they use workers who are poor and uneducated. So mistakes are also made in labeling. Uh, when my wife comes in later, I'm going to have to apologize to her. For 35 years of marriage, I've been arguing with her saying, can you not just buy the correct size without having to go back and forth and traipsing into the bloody shop every time to change something? After listening to a discussion about how badly sizes are for women, I'll be holding a bunch of flowers and groveling. Uh, one or two more. I totally agree. I'm a plus size woman and I would love to have a store where I could manufacture not just plus sizes, but also plus shape or any clothing with a shape at all. Shape is not taken into account and every woman is a different shape. I'm a pair, so I'm all bum and legs and I don't own one pair of jeans because I can't get a shape to fit comfortably. I totally agree there needs to be more variety of shapes as well as sizes. And one final one. My husband was having a day out on Saturday with our 15-year-old daughter. She plays girls rugby. They decided to go into town for lunch. They were stopped and refused entry because she had a Nike tracksuit on and runners. The tracksuit and runners cost €150. I'm absolutely disgusted. And on top of it, it was a sports bar. My daughter was so upset over it, she couldn't understand why. I think it's awful. You would think they would want the business as well after lockdown. My husband was sickened. Um, Love the show. Kind regards, says Linda. Well, thank you for that, because I was given the impression yesterday that the ban on tracksuits and runners was gone. It was the old days saying, nah, pal, you've runners on. Nah, no tracksuits. Um, because they have become fashion. What do they, what do they call them now? Leisure wear, I think, is it? There's leisure wear and lounge wear. I wonder what the difference is. Uh, Claire Dilworth from Cinderella's Closet. Morning. Hey, Neil. Good morning, oh, is, Jim. What is the difference anyway between leisure wear and lounge wear? Is it the same thing? I believe so. I think talking about runners there, the beauty is that uh, I think we've helped women's feet with lockdown because we're all wearing runners, whether it's a night out or anything like that. So I think it will become very fashionable. It has. And uh, we're very glad of it, not having to wear the heels so much. Is anyone talking about fast fashion? Fast fashion. Yeah. You know what that is, where people buy... Lots of clothing, very cheap. A lot of it is made unethically, yeah. um, where people are paid tiny money. They work in factories, they sleep in factories, they're paid pittance. Um, and it arrives over here and people just hoover it up, young, particularly young girls, buying and buying and buying. Of course, of course, we see that. Um, an awful lot. But what it is, I think, is because a lot of the fast fashion is so affordable 
that you tend to buy more of it, whereas if you're making a purchase that you really have to think about it and think about your budget, you know, you will you will buy less. And we, we, we all vary. Some are fast fashion um, consumers. And I think it, what it is is the likes of pennies and places like that. Pennies have upped their game, though, apparently. They were called out on that some years ago and they're getting much yes. better at it. But you're, you're dealing primarily, I suppose, with wedding dresses, communions, Yes. Things like that? Yeah, and I know that yesterday there was a lot of talk there about, you know, not knowing what size you are anymore. So this is something that's done very deliberately by manufacturers. It's vanity sizing is, is what it is. And it has evolved quite slowly over the last 50 years. So even if you were to take the likes of Marilyn Monroe, she was renowned for her amazing hourglass figure. And Marilyn was a size 16. Wow. And very famous for that. Yes. So, wow. But if Marilyn, yes, and if she actually went on a high street today and bought a dress, she'd in fact be a 12. So that is how... Ah, please explain that to me. I'm, I'm thick. What do you mean? She is a size yeah. 16. And what do you mean by 12? So what it is, is that you have got um, the label on your your clothes that were, they would have been labelled in the 50s as a size 16 if you had Marilyn Monroe's amazing body. Yeah. And, and now it would, you would be wearing a tag that would be a size 10 to 12. So what it is, vanity sizing, so they have literally, they're making the sizes on the tags, they're decreasing, but we're actually getting bigger. So that is why even in the wedding dress industry, it can be a very sticky one for us because high street size um, sizes have changed. So if you were a size uh, 12, 20 years ago, you could now be in their chart an eight. So it has but why does it why, why does it matter if people know that the sizes have changed, you know? And that I... I it does to people, but it shouldn't. And I daily try to tell people, they come in, they're a size 12, but the wedding industry size charts are way behind um, the times. So they're still back where Marilyn Monroe is a size 16. Whereas you come in to me, you're measuring a size 10, and then the wedding dress chart is telling you you're a 16. And that's why I'm always trying to wear, you know, raise awareness of this. It's just a number and different. But that's um, exactly my point. It, it is only a number. like Because pe- all, people know all. their body shape and either they're happy with them or they're not happy with it. And they know their weight and either they're happy with their weight or they're not. The actual number yes. on a dress or a pair of jeans shouldn't matter. Yes. Are you saying that it's a horror story telling a girl she's four size bigger in a wedding dress or something? Oh, it is. And particularly now during lockdown because we went, you know, online, we were closed. So you would put up uh, dresses and you would say, I'm a size 12, I'm size 14. And then they would contact me and they'd say, oh, I love that 14, I'm a 14. And then I have to, I would have to ask them for their measurements because they're a 14 in today's high, high street. But when you go back to the Arctic bridal chart, they're, they're actually an 18. measuring... And 18 or 20. Yeah, I'm and catching up with you. It is just a number. Yeah, it yeah. Is just so Marilyn Monroe would have had a very, very slim waist, is it? And wide hips. Yes, so she would have been a 23-inch waist. So, And she had the hips and the bust. So, you know, she just had this incredible figure. But there was even things, you know, she was even called at the time quite plus, 
But what it is, is that she had this amazing figure and like today, she's a 10 or a 12. But at the time, she was a 16 and she was just like her body doesn't even come into some charts now because her waist was that tiny. How did they get waist that tiny? Was that a car? Was that a car? Was that a natural? Was that a natural waist? It was something that the model agency that she went into first day um, noticed that her waist was so tiny, and she had this incredible body. So I think it helped her along her career path. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, thanks for that. How's biz? Good. Oh, we're glad to be open. We've been very busy with communion collections, and it's delighted now because they're all actually happening. And it looks like it's it's uh, all going to be normal going forward. Nice stuff. Delighted for you. Thanks, Claire. Appreciate Lovely. you taking the call. Claire Dilworth at Cinderella's Closet, wedding dresses, and at the moment, uh, communions. Actually, it's an interesting email from an angry parent. My daughter was due to make her communion on Saturday after waiting two years, like lots of other children, all excited as it was finally happening. The bouncy castle organised. The chipper van. Is that a thing now? You have the chipper van outside the in the park, is it? Or in your driveway? Uh, I like that idea. Big party at last. Unfortunately, her older sister, who is vaccinated, tested positive for COVID during the week and is now isolating in her room. As a result, my communion girl has to restrict her movements for 10 days. So is not allowed to make her communion with all of her friends as she is a close household contact. Devastation, as you can imagine. We had already decided to postpone her party as it would not be a good idea to have people to the house, but we thought maybe she could still go to the church and have communion with our class. We have all been tested and are all negative. You can get a negative PCR test to go to a concert, to travel, but not, apparently, for your Holy Communion. How is this fair? I'm so angry. They've stopped contact tracing for close contacts at school, even though you could be sitting next to someone all day with COVID. As they say, kids are not that infectious. But yet, after a negative test at home, they're still considered to be very infectious enough to stay at home and get retested in 10 days. While the rest of us can carry on with all our lives as we are vaccinated, but her and her 11-year-old sister are both home now for 10 days. This is so disappointing and ridiculous. My poor girl's heart is broken and just can't understand these rules. She feels so left out. I can't understand them myself. You would think a negative test would be suffice to get your communion made. How do I make up for this with her? Says a very angry parent. And that by email to Neil at redfm.ie. Let me see if I can make Laura Harrington and Caragaline shiver. Laura, good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I hear tell you're a big Sheeran fan. Yeah. I'm also oh told God. by Little Birdie you went to his last gig in Porky Queen. I did. Yeah, I did. How would you like to go to another one? And this song was our first dance at my wedding, so... This one? Uh, no, uh, Thinking Out Loud. Oh, how long are you married? Six years. Well done. All good in that yeah. department. Delighted to hear. Would you yeah. bring him? Would you bring him? What's his name? I suppose I'd have to. What's Gary. his name? Gary, is it? <laughs> Gary, yeah. Well, are you I'd doing anything on April 29th next year? No, definitely not now anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> you and Gary are off to Ed Sheeran. Amazing. Oh, my oh, fabulous. God. Fabulous. Thanks so much. Fantastic news. Enjoy. You. you got something. Thanks that's milk. something lovely to look forward to now, I isn't know, it? I'm thrilled. And I never win anything, so I'm so happy. Well done. Get on the phone. Tell Gary where you're going April 29th. 29th. Enjoy. Thanks so much. Thanks, Neil. Well done. Bye. 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 Laura Harrington at Bordy and Carrigaline. It's an Ed FM day today, if you like.
with Ed Sheeran tickets right across the day. There's an extra gig now, of course, the 28th and the 29th. Stay listening, lads. Stay listening. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Spoiled for choice this morning, lads. Friday morning, get all that pizza to give away. We also have, of course, the Ed Sheeran tickets that are gone and also a 1,000 euro voucher this morning from Easy Living Interiors. Be inspired. Spend the money on whatever you wish. A new armchair, a new sofa, whatever you want. Uh, soft furnishings, Easy Living Interiors have the answer. They also have an online interior style awards. And if you check them out online, you have a chance to win 5,000 euro towards your own home design and check them out online easyliving-interiors.ie so a thousand euro voucher between now and midday when we open the phone lines you need to guess don't call just yet not guess but identify the two famous people hiding behind the sofa have a listen I don't know. I don't know if that happened. I don't need to hear all those stories. All right. Tough, tough, tough. But then it should be tough. It's a thousand euro. Okay. Back to the phone lines we go from a story earlier in the week. I always like when we manage to make things happen and, uh, you know, help people out who want a bit of help or trying to contact others in the case of a, of a good deed. You may well recall Margaret from earlier in the week. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And you've again. been, and yes, indeed, again. What do you know? As I said earlier in the week, you're four weeks inside in St. Finbar's Hospital. Um, we'll be I there am. for a little while yet after a bad fall. You smashed your soldier here, yes. in two, you pla- smashed your so- shoulder in two places, badly hurt yourself. Also, your That's poor right. old face hit the ground getting out of the car, and you had your two grandchildren with you, and you were going into That's Smith's. That's right. <laughs> for, for them to do a bit of toy shopping, as grannies do. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't get up and you were in pain. And then a couple came along um, to help and came to your aid. Exactly, yeah. And you, right. wanted to f- you wanted to find them. I did. Okay, well, that couple are Ita and Steve from Whitechurch. And Ita joins me by phone. Ita, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, and Margaret was mad keen to find you. I know, sugar one lover. We were only talking about her last week to see how she was. I know. So there she is for you now, Margaret. Hello, Isa. Hi, Margaret. How are you? Hi. I'm I'm okay. It's good as I can be expected. She's I'm been old. through. Thank she's God. been through the wars. What What do you recall of it, Avita? Well, you you were in Smiths. You were in the Kinsella. We were in Smiths. Actually, my husband came out the door, and two little girls came up towards him and said, uh, "Help! Help! Our granny is after falling." So Steve ran over. We, like I didn't join him. I was a few minutes behind him, and he went over. And Margaret was on the ground, and the girls were very upset. And he was. He checked whether she was conscious and was she okay, and he asked her a few questions. And he called the ambulance. Now, he said there was a lot of people kind of around, and there was an ambulance bay nearby, and he couldn't remember the name of the roundabout. So he was trying to explain where he was and explain the dispatch, like is in Dublin. So you're trying to explain so the ambulance. The ambulances are next door to you. Out there. there, and he said yeah. to them, "The ambulance bay is there. Please just, just go." So anyway, they came over and they were. Oh, that sounds so complicated. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And anyway, besides the point. So they came over and they were very good. And um, the girls were there. They were so upset and they thought it was their fault. And we we're like, "Not at all, not at all." I was rooting my bag for to give them something because like, my son was with us. So I had a bag of popcorn and I gave the girls popcorn. Trying to keep them calm. You know, you just make sure that they're. 
emergency thing. supply in the handbag kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what yeah. mothers do. So, um, <laughs> and sure, they, they were great. I kept saying them, you're so brave. So, they're seven and ten. Oh, God, two of the most beautiful girls you've ever seen. They were so brave. And then they, they called their mom and she came along and everything. So I'm delighted that everything is okay because we were only talking. I was like, I wonder, because Steve said, I wonder how Margaret is. I was like, I know, I know. And you have no way of finding these things out, so... And, and oh, can yeah. you solve another mystery for me? Somebody left Smith's vouchers on that the windscreen no. of Margaret's car. But do you know what? No, there was so there was a few came over from the ambulance bay. Like there was paramedics, there was doctors. Like a lot came to help, and there was another couple there. I thought they were foreign, but I'm not 100 percent certain. I thought there was a French lady there. So anyone and Smith, the girls were near Smith. It could have been anyone. And another good Samaritan could have just done that because. The girl yeah. was saying, Granny was bringing us in as a treat before we go back to school tomorrow because it was the 30th of August. <laughs> Yeah. the day before school so, that, so I think honestly there were so many good people around it could have been could have been anyone somebody else then not you yes. independent not of you me. went in got vouchers and left them a Margaret's windscreen isn't it the loveliest yeah. thing it's lovely so you you very cleverly were telling the girls that they're that they that they're heroes they went they looking are. for help which is the thing they to are. do and the fact that they were they were calm enough to go and say come and help us our granny fell they went straight past the, 10 and 7 like that, that they, that's remarkable that's brilliant that's excellent for them you know what I mean absolutely well yeah, Margaret that's was what I thought as well they yeah. were so brave yeah yeah are they're you, brilliant are you, they're great Lisa. Lisa. yeah so, you're very well not at all. it was Steve honestly Steve did it all I was just trying to keep the girls okay you're the popcorn lady <laughs> no what you did Margaret, I was like, he was and he told me that the girls were with you Isha and I was so delighted and Steve kept saying to me stay with me stay with me oh yeah and yeah, um, yeah I didn't know about all those people you just mentioned there now because my yeah. face was smashed into the ground as you know and um <sighs> Steve was very good. He kept on saying to me, stay with me. And then when my daughter-in-law came, she knelt down and she said, Margaret, this is Jill. And I knew then their mum had come, you know, yeah, but I, know. I cannot yeah. thank you both so, so much for what you did. Not, not just, not just not for looking all. after Margaret, but minding, minding her two nieces as well. Yeah. Or two granddaughters, my I should say. Granddaughters, yeah. yeah. And they're two they're two cuties, the two of them. Right. They're beautiful, girl. Well so we now have to solve the mystery of the Smiths vouchers. The Smiths vouchers. Another piece of the puzzle <laughs> yeah. to do. Another piece of the puzzle. But Isa, what she did was, I can never thank you enough. It's not nice at all. So Margaret, any, any good person would stop and help it. It's, um, it's the girls, really. If they didn't yes, come and get somebody, was, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's the thing. I know, I know. Oh, Listen, I know, they were very brave. They really were, and they're so young, you know? Listen, I tell you yeah. what, Margaret, I'm delighted that you managed to hook up and say thank you. And Isa, thanks for coming on the air. I really appreciate no, that because you're well able no, to no, tell the story and thanks for it. If I'm ever looking, if I'm ever looking for a reporter up Whitechurchway, I'll be calling on you. Thanks very much, Neil. Okay, and do you mind? Do you mind holding on? Because I think I'm going to snaffle a couple of extra uh, Oak Fire pizza vouchers from Oak Fire. They're always available. If I ever need anything extra with regards to a good deed, I'd love to send you and your kids a couple of pizza vouchers and get some hot piping pizza. All right. Oh, I'm delighted to do that, Neil. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sending any to you, Margaret. You're on a very strict, <laughs> low-carb diet. <laughs> oh, God. I, I believe me, I need to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> 
right, well, look, there you go. Job Thanks, done. Margaret. Thank take you care, so much. Take, take care. Thank Thanks you, so Lisa. much, Eita. Thank you. Find thank yourself, you, Margaret, Lisa. and thank you, Eita. Job done. Now, if we could find whoever put the um, couple of uh, vouchers from Smith's Toys on the windscreen, that would be another job well done. Was it you? Text 0868104106. Lines open at 1850 I'll come back to more shout-outs for our last blast of shout-outs for Oakfire Pizza giveaway. It's six large pizzas with garlic bread, potatoes, drinks, dips, desserts, everything. It'll feed 15 of you. So you got another five minutes or so to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. To the phone lines. And over and over again this morning, I have been sent uh, videos of Washington Street last night and the gatherings and the social activity amongst young people who were in and around the courthouse, the courthouse steps all along Washington Street, down around to the Grand Parade. Hundreds of them. I mean, there could have been a thousand, there may have been more. To the best of my knowledge, there was zero trouble. It was just people having fun, getting out, meeting their buddies, having a couple of drinks and socialising and having a bit of an outdoor party. And you have to ask the question, what else are they supposed to do 18 or 19 months later? Uh, I wonder whether Kenneth O'Flynn agrees or disagrees because he shared the video and asked the question of the public, what do you think about this? Ken, good morning. What do you think about it? Good morning, Neil. And uh, yeah, look, I, I was in town actually last night because I was I was outside the county yesterday and travelling back in. We went for something to eat, and the city centre was extremely busy. Where'd you go? Incidentally, um, I don't mean to pry. I'm just nosy. I'll tell you now where actually we ended up. We ended up in Burn in the pizza restaurant. Nice one. Good. Yeah, actually very good, I have to say. It was my first time there. And good spot. Burnt, burnt you know? are great. They burnt, really are. Yeah. Family business, and, well done uh, to them. So then yeah. were, you, were you walking around? Did you, vi- did you do any of the... Did you film anything? Uh, no, I didn't film anything, no. no. Um, what did strike me, actually, was the queue outside the off-license, out of one, outside one of the off-licenses. The, I, you know, I was wondering what people were queuing for first, first of all, because I thought it was, honestly, you know, it was like the cinema outside the Capitol long ago, you know, when there was a big queue outside the Capitol. The, the queue went, went up and around the corner sort of thing, you know. Um, I what amazed. are they supposed to do, you see? Yeah, I know, but I was, I was amazed with the queue uh, for an off-license. Look, Neil... I'm not the fun police. I think it's great to see the city centre so busy. I think it's marvellous to see um, all, all the different activities from restaurants and bars and, and people out enjoying themselves. Um, I am a bit alarmed with the amount of crowds that are gathering, um, such as the photographs of Why? Washington Street. Why? Um, there's a health and safety issue there. I've had a lot of texts this morning from people privately, and some people have said it publicly on my on my Facebook, about people running across the streets, jumping in front of cars. Uh, I had a message from a taxi driver saying that there just wasn't enough taxis available last night to get people in and out of the city. And I think things like that are very, very easily remedied. And that means changing our opening times, our opening hours. Some bars starting later than others and, and closing later than others. Others and, and working out a time and schedule. It would help get people out of the city safely. It avoids people gathering, large gatherings of people, which can be dangerous, can be intimidating for people. Um, you know, we have we have had experience, let's call a spade a spade, where people, you know, are after a couple of pints, we've all seen it, and something is said or somebody is pushed. By but that didn't happen. None of, not, but but that fight. didn't... But that didn't happen last night. I, ha- I have a video. I have a video of the guards attending some sort of scene last night. Uh, no, uh, 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 maybe just on. observing. No, may- quite possibly, maybe to move people on. Um, but look, Neil. I, look, 
my, my message today is my opinion of it. It's great to see the activity and life beginning again back in the city. It's great to see our pubs and restaurants full. But I they do can't get into the they can't get I into do. the pubs. And and I think that's what our problem is, Neil, is that we have a situation that we have pubs that are open for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, the, 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 I think we have to relook at our scheduling. Uh, I think there's a great difficulty of being able to get out of town at a certain time because everybody is opening their doors and leaving people out onto the streets. There's a, that's a, a challenge for traffic as well and for people that are driving through that. Uh, and look, I think we have to be sensible about it and we have to look at what mainland Europe is doing, which is staggering, staggering opening times and making things close, getting certain bars or restaurants that close at 11 o'clock, others that close at 12, others close at 3, you know, and, and so on and so forth. It would be a lot easier for taxi drivers and people like that to get in and out of the city to service people that they're not waiting a long time. And I'm particularly talking about women that are, that are out on their own or groups. Well, that, well, that is why I was going to say, could the traffic not give the, 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 the young people a break? But you're saying that yeah. maybe taxis no, are no, arrested. No, no, like, and it's, anyway, it's, it's October 22nd. It's October 22nd, isn't it? That's the date where yeah. many yeah. more and that, that will include nightclubs and, and things like that yeah. won't it but look Neil prior, prior to prior to COVID we've had a problem in this city of everybody being out on the street at 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever time in the morning and everybody being put out onto the street at the same time and you're seeing the big queues outside McDonald's Hillbillies all that sort of stuff we need to change our way of thinking about that we need to either have longer opening hours shorter opening hours um, mix, a mix of opening hours that work well for the businesses and work well for getting people in and out of the city. But that's going to happen. They are going through legislation at the moment that would allow pubs and nightclubs open until five or six. I mean, some people might find that bizarre, but that's what they're discussing. We we, we need need that push forward. We need that because, you know, there is a a health and safety. Like, you look at the photographs that some of us have seen uh, outside the steps in in Washington Street on the courthouse steps. You know, all it takes is somebody to throw a glass or a bottle, somebody to get pushed. But they uh, didn't. And a, and a major accident to happen. It may not happen. It, it may not happen. But I... I mean, is that to, not even I'd disrespectful to... to the, is that even disrespectful to those that were gathering, suggesting that they're the type of people who would throw a glass when actually they just want to, after 18 or 19 months of this, We've all just had enough of it. Neil, are you telling me that there's no violence or no problems in the city at night? I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm yeah, just yeah. saying these that's, are... That's because, th- because I'm asking about there, the reality there, there, and there. what my reality of the city is and what my experience of the city has been over the last number of years. And I've seen fights break out. I've seen people fight over the most bizarre, silly, silly, silly things because alcohol is involved. And I've seen people lo- lo- um, be, t- be thrown on the floor. I've seen people kicked. I've seen people beaten. I've seen videos of it. And I've seen, seen it up close. And I've seen... Situations, and what I'm saying to you is, by staggering times, by not having everybody zoomed into one space or pushed into one space, you're making it the health and safety. You're making it a lot healthier and a lot safer for people to go about their business safely. And that's what I'm looking for. You don't. You, you're not it's suggesting. Not, it's that not about stopping anyone for having a good time. I'll tell you what. I'm going out tomorrow night. I'm meeting uh, one of my best friends that I've only spoken to on the phone for 18 months. Um, and I'm so looking forward to seeing herself and her husband tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and I can't, I can't wait to see it. And I can understand how everybody is is going. Out so, could you imagine if you were a twenty-something, or when you were a twenty-something? Like I gigged, I would have. I, 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 when I gigged in clubs and pubs, I would have died for a crowd like that. It was just sure, of course, of course, of course. 
of course. And uh, look, when you're inside in Reardon's or whatever big pub or big venue that you were, that you were playing in uh, um, back in the day um, or whatever, you know, that's controlled because you have security there, etc. When it's when you have a congregation of a large amount of people on the streets with cans, bottles that they've bought and off licenses, that they're drinking there, that there's no control. At least when you walk in to Reardon's or you walk into a pub and you have 50 euros in your pocket and you've spent it, you've spent. But look, if you're going off and you're buying 24 cans inside in Tesco's for 24 euros or whatever price it is, and, and you're drinking well, I, that, I know that, there's, yeah. there's nothing controlled about that. I understand. No and also, I would like to... ...taking the keys off you and saying to you, listen... Uh, Neil, you've had enough now tonight and you get a taxi home. Well, there's also... Nobody, there's nobody on, a, on a door saying, look, you're, you're misbehaving, you know, and, and head away. You know, that's the reality of it. Yeah, but also, I suppose, one of the issues is the clean-up the next day, I guess. But, and, and, the, and, and that, that gets done. an enormous expense as well to us in the city, the clean-up. That's an enormous expense to us, you know? Yeah. And we've had the pictures in the last couple of weeks, in the last couple of months as well, how the Peace Park has been destroyed and what's left with takeaway boxes, what's left there, we've put in additional bins as you know, around the city. Yeah, but, the, but a lot of the time, these, these takeaways and these off-licenses, uh, it's the students and young people who are actually, sp- we want people to spend money. They're spending money. Absolutely. They're not robbing absolutely. the drink. They're buying no, it. No, 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 absolutely. And look, nobody is saying that not to drink. I'm the, I'm the last person in the world that would tell someone not to drink. I'm a, farm, a former bar owner myself, you know, yeah. and I enjoy a pint myself, as you know. Yeah. Um, but look, the reality is that we have to make sure that people are safe that we have to make sure that they're not in a situation where there's a large crowd gathered where something could happen, something something awful happens, and then we're saying, God, we should have done something else. We should have done more. And we should be... And, and oh, I know. I was just conscious of the fact that... that from, from people like me or other politicians out there saying, oh, that's because nothing was done. Well, but I'm highly, I'm highly to get now saying, we need to act fast. We need to help our businesses. We need to encourage people into the city and for people to feel safe in the city. And there's a number of people who have contacted me saying, I passed through it last night, I drove through it last night, I was out myself, and people weren't, didn't feel comfortable. And it had nothing to do with COVID. Because they were literally they trying to drive through... Street, drive through, fellas coming out, drinking okay. bottles, drinking cans, falling out drunk in front of them. You have to protect that. And you have to make people... Look, we have a purple flag as a city for a city of, of evening enjoyment and nightlife. But we have to make sure that our reputation as a safe city to come down and enjoy is there and is preserved. All right. Okay. All okay, let's get the public's thoughts on this. Thanks, Ken. Have All a good right, weekend and enjoy your, enjoy your catch-up tomorrow night, okay? All right, my friend. Cheers, pal. Take care. Text 0868104106 on that. Perhaps you were there. Perhaps you have thoughts. And I was just a little bit conscious this morning watching it unfold and the videos doing the rounds of... Uh, Firstly, uh, I was worried that many people seem to be bashing uh, students and young people again. Um, if there was evidence of trouble or paddy wagons or glass or bottles being thrown or people engaging in fighting, it would have been a different ball game. But to the best of my knowledge, it was none of that. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. I mentioned earlier on this morning that it's National Potato Day today. Um, that's the day of the spud, if you like. And we're at an all-time high now with regards to the amount of potatoes that are eaten. I suppose that has to do a lot with the amount of different ways that you can actually uh, cook your potatoes and prepare them and there's loads of recipes online this morning, particularly from Board Bia um, if you want to celebrate the potato today or across the weekend, there's a Thai red potato curry with tiger prawns there's the ultimate chicken and potato spice bag. There's the Chinese style black bean steak and potato stir fry um, and many more like that Can I Also, can I just say that Here's a little tip for you. My daughter actually came up with this, and I'm quite sure other people do it as well. You cube the potato, right? So you peel it, 
you cube it, you wash it under water, get the starch off it, you dry them. And, and they're raw now at this stage. So it's raw potato cubes, small enough cubes. But then you parboil the cubes in hot water with chicken stock. Maybe just a couple of you know pieces of chicken stock. So that would be a stock cube. And it absorbs all of the flavor into the cubed potato. I mean... It may not may not sound like much to you, but it makes an incredible difference. So after you've done that anyway, um, parboil them, strain them, dry them so that the cube that's absorbed all of the chicken stock is dry. You can do two things with it then. You can put it in the oven with oil and butter and you can roast them or bake them. Or if you have an air fryer, even better again, do it in the air fryer, just a little bit of butter and a little bit of um and maybe a little bit of oil, shake it up and into the air fryer. They are absolutely delicious. And the big difference, I, I think clearly to me, is the actual chicken stock cube. It makes a massive difference. So I pass that on to you for what it's worth regards to uh, potatoes. Today being National Potato Day. Oh, also, for fear I run out of time, there's a bit of an emergency. I have so much paperwork here. I can never find... Oh, here it is. An emergency. Joy is looking for Chester cake and she needs it today. Isn't that right, Brenda? She needs to find Chester cake. Brenda said to me, where would you get Chester cake? Joy's looking for some. Uh, she got in touch this morning, desperate. I don't know whether it's a craving or she wants to just have some Chester cake. Any day is a good day for Cork Chester cake, incidentally. Um, and I said to her, well, the north side is the best place for Chester. I'm quite sure there might be one or two on the south side. It's not really a south side thing, but it certainly is a north side. So Joy is listening right now, and I want somebody to text me as to where Chester Cake is available right now. Watch shop. Text 0868 She can then make a beeline and get there and pick up some Chester. I like the moister Chester. You know, sometimes it can be a little bit too dry. So a nice moist Chester cake and away you go. Text 86 I'm not going to get back to everything this morning. Uh, and there are many, many texts and emails that I'll be picking up uh, on Monday's program. Can I just play this again? Because it's worth €1,000. And this is a €1,000 voucher, courtesy of ourselves, and easy living interiors. All right. So it's a 1000 today. Don't call just yet, but these two individuals are famous and they're hiding behind the sofa. I don't know. I don't know if that happened. I don't need to hear all those stories. And a clue. Could one of them be one of the the, the brothers from that famous um, now split up English band? Perhaps. Anyway, whoever it is, you need to identify both. For a thousand euro, courtesy to ourselves, and easy living in serious, you can spend the money in easy living on whatever you wish. Um, don't call just yet. You will hear that again one more time. Call it 10 wins, a thousand euro voucher on 1-850-104-106. Now, um, I meant to get to this earlier in the week, and then it got very, very busy doing different things. But you know, you hear of people who have problems in their life, different types of addictions and different issues in their lives. Um, that's one part of my story for you this morning. And I know that we spoke about, about Leon and uh, you know him trying and trying and really doing his best to try and beat the addiction of heroin, but not succeeding. Spoke to his mom, Christine, during the week. And then I spoke with other people who have. And last week, a very inspiring story of a Cork man who did turn his life around. Um, and I, I found it really amazing to talk to him because some years ago, we were actually talking about him on the air where residents of a particular housing estate where he was living were very unhappy with him living in the housing estate. And here he is now clean, working, married, with children, sorting his life out. I came across another one of those stories recently. It's a buddy of mine, Lenny. He said to me, did you ever hear of a fella called Fat Boy Slim? 
But I said, well, I know Fat Boy Slim, the musician. And he said, no, 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 no. This guy is an amazing story. Um, he was born in London. He moved to Ireland when he was five and he grew up in Kenmare. Dropped out of school when he was 14 and did a couple of jobs working as a fisherman. Um, but he said he broke his parents' heart. He um, ended up with no money. He hit rock bottom. He took money from his parents. He got into drugs. He got into alcohol addiction. He got into gambling addiction. Put on huge amounts of weight. Um, he was constantly called names by people. He came up here to go to college to Cork and settled down and lived in Cork. Um, but he was really at rock bottom now. Um, broke, drugs, alcohol, gambling, huge weight increase. But he decided to change his life. So I said, who is this guy? I need to talk to this guy, Mike, fat boy slim. He's out in America now, having turned his life around. And I mean, he's an online coach uh, and he got into fitness. But listen to me, he tells a much better story than me. So I caught up with him earlier in the week. Mike, fat boy slim. Morning, Mike, fat boy slim. How are you doing? Good morning, Neil. How are you, sir? I'm very good. I think everybody in the world has a story and everybody that I talk to on the air has their own individual story. And boy, do you have a story. Uh, it's a story of perseverance. <laughs> it's a story of determination. Um, and it's just amazing how you've gone from very humble beginnings to what? Fitness instructor, fitness model, coach to high net earners, hugely influential now in the digital sphere. You have your own television shows in America as well. Oh my God! You must pinch yourself sometimes. Yeah, Neil, it's uh, it's a bit of a crazy dream. Um, to be honest, um, I didn't expect it, especially from the background I came from. I grew up in Kerry, with school um, of only sixteen pupils. There was only one other person in my class. It was crazy to think that someone coming from such a, a scenic background, you know, where I lived, I didn't. My nearest town was about a thirty-minute drive minimum. Yeah. I used to live near Kimmer, so that was where I was based. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just all a dream. You must have been born in London with the with the London accent, though, right? Yeah, I was born in London, and my dad's Irish. And basically what happened, they were worried about the knife and gun crimes in England yeah. back in the 90s. And then obviously since then they've got horrific and they were right to move me off to Ireland into a scenic area to bring me up as a child. But were they disappointed then when you started to kind of go off the tracks a bit? I think you quit school at 14, did you? Yeah. So basically, Neil, my parents, I love them to death. They're the people that support me the most. Um, and I'm not going to say I'm successful or anything great. At the end of the day. I've actually learned a lot in life about success and the people I associate with and the people that are in my network and everything. Anyone can achieve anything in life. It's just about never quitting and how many chances you had. And I'm not joking. The amount of mess ups for the kind of words that I've done and put them through the stress, it, it, they should have turned their back on me a million and one times. And they kept supporting me no matter what through everything. And that was really the amount of avenues I went down trying to do this, trying to do that, hit and miss, wasted their money. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just clicked. And then it was like, wow, Eureka, the moment finally happened. Yeah, but there so was anyone out there, I do believe it was my parents that got me to where I am today. Good. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be nowhere. Good. Well done to them. And it's good that you acknowledge that. But I mean, I was just doing yeah. some research into your background and, and the earlier years of your life. I know you quit school at 14, worked as a builder, yeah. uh, you know, did fishing on boats fishing until boats. you were about 18. Yeah. But you had yeah. lots of issues. I mean, you hit rock bottom, drugs were a problem, yeah. alcohol, and, you know, gambling. You, ha you had the whole gambit there. Yeah, it took 15,000 off my parents, which I'm not happy of. Um, yeah, that was a stolen nil. A really horrible moment in my life. I uh, got big into poker, online gambling online. Um, just basically was a horrible crap child for kind of words and just started mixing with the wrong crowd. 
got involved in parties, recreational drugs. And obviously when you're not going to school, you hang around with older crowd and you're mixing with the wrong crowd. And obviously my parents, they were never really lenient or strict. They were always, you know, look, Mike, do what you want. We have faith in trusting you. And they've always said to me this day, I said, well, how did you know? I said, because at the end of the day, if you were stricter with me, I probably wouldn't have spiraled off the tracks. And they said, we brought you up to make your own decisions in life. And oh we always knew you God. would come good. So oh my God, basically, took, yeah, just yeah. abusing... Yeah, alcohol, drugs, you name it. And that spiraled all the way up until 18, 19 before I woke up one day, Neil, and I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? I'm yeah. actually a low life. I'm a waster. No education, no leaving cert. <laughs> I was like, where am I going? This isn't a life. I thought it was about who could drink the most pints at the weekend. You know, that, that made you cool. That made you popular. And then you just click and realize that that doesn't pay bills. So like, you know, if you got paid 100 euro a day on a building site, I thought I was the richest man in Ireland thought it was brilliant you know you get 500 euro paycheck a week work monday to friday and then you go out the weekend and spend two three hundred quid and you then you add 200 euro to, to to basically last you the rest of the week and you might watch all their movies and you see jets and lamborghinis and all that my heads i, I never sat down and done the figures that, that was all like a mystery make belief that was a different world that wasn't possible because my mindset was so small and then all of a sudden i said you know what i'm going to go back to the adult leaving cert went to cork uh college of commerce where i done it i was the youngest in my class, everyone was like 24, 25, 30s, 40s. I was only 19 years old. And then from there, the rest is history. I well, got into fitness. Were you carrying yeah. a lot of weight, though? Yeah. So basically, it was only when I went to the city, when I had to kind of fend for myself. I had a 20-minute walk into college every day from Arcadia Hall. And uh, what embarrassed me, Neil, was when I got to college, I looked at everyone else. They're all dry. I was stinking in sweat. Like the sweat was pouring off me. And I was like, this is disgraceful. Like, I've only done a 20 minute walk and I'm gassed. I couldn't even, you know, barely speak. And it was just a brisk walk. And people were walking faster than me because in the morning in Cork City, when you walk around the city, people are, you see them going to work, people going to school, people going to colleges. And I was like, why am I soaking wet? This is, this is unbelievable. I'm so overweight. I'm out of shape. I can't sit in class all day. I've got here at nine o'clock and I'm soaking wet and I've got to sit in these clothes all day in college. This, this isn't good enough. I mean, it's amazing. There are some amazing comments attributed to you. And at one stage, you talk about the fact that people judge you within the first three seconds of meeting you and they judge you by the way yeah. you look. Were, were you judged as being Correct. grossly overweight? Yes, because in the day, you know, like, like we all do it as humans subconsciously. When someone meets you, Neil, they judge you within three seconds. And that's due to your, obviously, your size, your stature. Like, if you see someone who's fat, you generally stereotype them as being easy and just not a good When that's the furthest thing from the point, it's just someone who just doesn't follow healthy habits. But generally, it doesn't mean they're lazy, but people stereotype people who are overweight as lazy. And that's the furthest thing from the point. I wasn't lazy. I just had an emotional connection with food and yeah. alcohol. Yeah. But the, but the name calling, it's a wonder that you didn't hit out. Did you hit out? Um, see, the thing is, Neil, as you know, I dropped out at 14. I just basically removed myself from the situation. You know, if I didn't want to be somewhere I didn't like the environment I was in, that was one thing that I always even knew from a young age, even when I was a bad person. You're not a tree. You can get up and leave. Do you know what I'm saying? You're not stuck to one situation. So when I removed myself from that situation, I wasn't putting myself in the firing line. But how then did you get from living in Cork, college education, to touring the world? I'm talking to you in Miami now. Incidentally, congratulations yeah. on the birth of Alicia in the CUH in June. Thank you. Is Cork your home, do you yeah. mind me asking? Yeah, Cork is my home uh, with my fiance Nicola. Um, Nicola, she's she supported me from day one. She was with me when I was basically fat, overweight, was a nobody, nothing, and uh, she stuck with me through everything. And she supports me when I'm traveling, uh, you know, the world and things like that. And you know, just going on 
TV and stuff. And how she, did you do it? Lost because she's looking after the kid. Yeah, and well how done. To do her. It? Basically, yeah. what happened, Neil, was uh, the right people on Instagram saw me. Um, they said to me, Mike, I want you to come live with me. This was the TV show documentary they put out on Amazon Prime. Yeah, was that uh, coaching and the weight loss and the training of a high net earner that you went to live with him? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's yeah. So he's a real estate entrepreneur, real estate mogul. He's got many success stories, many businesses. Um, he's a well known person all around New York. And um, since then, it was just one door open after another. Neil. So I've had loads of celebrities, you know, reach out to me, things like that. I mean, it's hard to believe, like the incredible success. And this is the boy from Kerry, like, and he's been brought into America. Well, from Cork is where I live, so I had to move my whole life over to America, and basically I'd spend about nine, ten months a year in America. And I mean, you, I mean, you have success with the clients. It's got to be hard work. I mean, there's no magic pill, so there's not. It's, it's hard work, Neil, but it's, it's so easy. It's like you just basically the blueprint. Like, you know, I was the first person in the world to come up with the idea of the cardboard cutout transformation. The so cardboard, cut, this, the cardboard uh, cutout trans. What is that? Cut, a photo, cutout. Before and after, is it? So basically, Instagram have a rule where you can't do paid advertising if you have a picture of someone in their boxes or a woman in their bikini as a before and after photo. It breaks the community guidelines. I thought, I'll get a cardboard cutout. So I found a company to do it, put it printed off of their starting photo. And then obviously the real photo is the then of their actual after photo. Yeah, before and after. You record them next to each other. You, yeah, you can do that. You can video record it because the person on the left is not a real person. It's a cardboard cutout. And they'll let you actually post and share that and do for paid advertising. Just one eureka moment idea in bed that came to me. And then it's history. Okay, yeah, everybody, everybody now coming out of lockdown wants to leave a lot of their old life behind. And, and some of them want to get fit and to, to lose weight. It, it's as much as the diet, really, isn't it? As much as the, the, the pumping iron and doing the cardio and working on the core. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that was a harsh reality, a harsh lesson uh, lesson I had to learn because I never knew if you're not knowledgeable in terms of nutrition or what you're putting in your body, it doesn't matter how hard you're training. It doesn't matter. You're just spinning your wheels in the mud and what's going to happen is that you're going to become defeated. You're going to basically going to give up and quit because obviously if the scales aren't portraying a number that you like to see, we're all guilty of saying it or seeing it. We do let the number of scales affect our mentality mm-hmm. and that's the one thing we should have done. Do you, think people, should, do you, do you think people yeah. should keep weighing scales at home, incidentally? Become slaves to them? And it's a horrible way to be, Neil, because what I say to all my clients, and I want everyone, everyone on air to see this, the scales are not the be-all and end-all. And what I say is, if you don't know, if you don't know the law of gravity, go to the moon. That's all <laughs> I do. They tell us the law of gravity. That is it. Nothing else. You know? <laughs> yeah, because you, it's, it's about losing weight and gaining muscle as well, isn't it? Correct. So what I'd say, best investment you could ever do is get a measuring tape for your waistline. So your waistline is going to be the holy grail. You can't, you can't lie. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're building muscle and losing fat, where we hold the majority, majority of our stubborn fat is around our midsection. Yeah. If that's getting tighter, I wouldn't even pay any attention to the scales because then you know you are building muscle and losing fat. That is the holy grail. That's a good indicator. The holy grail is around that tummy around the belly. Yes, 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 always. And obviously, key principles, Neil, stay hydrated, make sure you're getting a sufficient amount of water, making sure you're getting some fibrous veggies in. And if you like fruit, you're getting your vitamins and minerals. And that's what people, as I said, who are knowledgeable and you just want to get in you know, a certain amount of minerals and vitamins. Yeah. But if you really want to take it to the next notch, what I would advise is always just calculate your calories. You know how much you're taking in and then you know where your expenditure is at. Simple math. And are you also, you're also working with the general public, aren't you? Just finally, you're doing these yeah, three, so four, I've five minute dailies. 
yes, I've got loads of like I've got loads of coaches that work for me. They work under me. They're actually even more qualified than me. They're unbelievable. And they're, I say young kids. They're, they're younger than me. They're like 22, 23, 24. And uh, they do all the coaching to the general public. But there is a, a lot of people in the general public that I also work with as well personally. And uh, yes, yeah, so we anyone who's interested in coaching, as I said, just reach me out. Or they've got any questions, just reach out. I'd love to help for free. Just give people the knowledge they need. Because most people, as I said, they've got a great work rate, but they just don't have the knowledge to apply it to get the results. Well, your website is fantastic and your Instagram as well is just super. I mean, you really use it very well. Yeah. How, how can people get in touch? Is it through the Instagram at Mike Fatboy Slim? They can do the, yeah, Mike Fatboy Slim directly or they can just email MikeSullyFitness at gmail.com and that will put them directly in front uh, in front of me and there'll be no issues whatsoever. Okay, this is a very interesting point. Uh, definitely, and finally, for somebody who is listening to you right now that's 18, 20, 21, or in their 20s or whatever, who's stuck in that rut, no money, rock bottom, drugs, alcohol, yeah. gambling, and in a bad circle of friends, is that one of the first yeah. things they need to do is ditch that circle of friends? That's what I did, Neil. That was what I did. Gradually but surely, I didn't just cut them out loose. I just stopped going to the venues or the pubs or anything, and I started picking up a dumbbell and started, you know, getting on a treadmill and started just trying to get my body back in shape. And then once you get your body back in shape, it really does help your mental health. You know, because when you are in that circle and you're looking for the next high in life, mentally you're in a bad place. Everyone's got a lot of demons in their closet, but I'm saying I can't thank exercise enough that got me out of that dark place. Where where are you off to next? What's next on the agenda? Um... Going to the Bahamas, <laughs> he wants to go to the Bahamas, so going to the Bahamas tomorrow. Uh, we'll be there for two days, only a couple of days, just a short trip, and then I'll be in Miami for the next nine months, so I'll just be living in Miami. Don't be a stranger, come back and visit. Yeah, I will, 100%, 100%, of course, Neil. And it was a, it was a pleasure to be on your show, Neil, I'm a, a, an avid listener, listener to it. I hear it all the time when I am home. Good. Well, you can also listen to it stateside. Just get your hands on the app or the podcast. Great talking to you, Mike. Oh, listen, just finally, the Prime Television Show. What's it called? So, TV show, if everyone wants to learn about a bit about my history story or wants advice, go on to, go on to Amazon Prime or on YouTube. You can, you can pay it for like $4.99 or $5.99. The name of the show or the documentary is Fat Lolly to Six Pack Lolly. Great talking yeah. to you, Mike. Look after yourself. Thank Thanks you, so much for Have taking the time. Day. Cheers, man. Take care. Incredible okay, story. Bye-bye. Incredible story. Fat Lolly was this super wealthy billionaire guy who wanted to lose weight and he got Mike Fat Boy Slim to turn him from Fat Lolly into Six Pack Lolly and that's the prime show. But talking about turning your life around, he's inspiring. I really think he's inspiring. Mike Fat Boy Slim spent a lot of his time with his wife and indeed had a baby here. The child was born in the C-U-M-H. Anyways, a good way to follow him is, uh, is on Instagram at Mike Fatboy Slim. He's also really on the money when it comes to uh, videos and stuff like that. So you can also check out his website. It's just a great story. It's an inspiring story. Free Food Friday shout outs in a couple of seconds. But let me just do this. This is worth 1,000 euro and you can spend it at Easy Living Interiors. And you want to see everything they do Check them out online first, easyliving-interiors.ie. So a thousand euro for caller 10 on 1850-104-106. A thousand euro, I tell you. Spend it on whatever you want, but you need to identify these two characters, famous people hiding behind the sofa. I don't know. I don't know if that happened. Man. I don't need to hear all those stories. All right. 1-850-104-106. A 1,000 euro voucher for easy living interiors. Go for it. 1-850-104-106. Last bunch of shout outs. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and uh, Oak Fire Pizza to everybody that's out there working, either working from home or working at 
in the job, big and small groups. A lot of people are back. Baker Finn Recruitment, good morning to you all. Busy filling pharmaceutical jobs in Cork at the moment, so they are. Hennessy here on Beauty Supplies on Pembroke Street. Here's a lovely one. We've been working at home for 18 months now, desperate in need of a treat, says Siobhan and Wilton. Expert attic conversions in y'all. Um, to everybody, including Noel, the fearless leader, and all of the lads at the PSU or PSU office on Anglesey Street. To DD Security, you're listening. Northside Tires on the Old Mallow Road. Joe's Edge Hair Salon and Blarney. Smurf at Kappa. Riverview Vets in Carrigaline. And finally, for now, to Tracy and Catherine in Blackpool Shopping Centre. They're getting the last few bits for their sons, one of the sons' communion at the weekend. So I don't have any more time for shout outs, but I will pick a winner in a few minutes this time. Um, meanwhile, um, can I just say, we give away tickets during the week for the James Grant Bond screener, No Time to Die, and all this, we were given the tickets away, and of course, last night, all of the winners, and lots more besides, got to the Gate Cinema on the North Main Street. The Red Patrollers were there, Katie was there, Kelly was there, and they were at the screening, and they just caught up with some people uh, in anticipation of the show they were going to see. So it's great to have the Red Patrollers back. It's great to have people back and talking about cinemas and gigs and Ed Sheeran tickets and James Bond. Bring it all on. The name's Bond. James Bond. So, Dara, are you excited to see the film No Time to Die? I am. It's just, I, I love action. James Bond is... I grew up watching this with my friends and stuff and my brother. I love action movies and they're all very good. Well, I've been following James Bond for many years now and one seems to be better than the other, but the reviews that I've heard already seem this appears to be the best one, yes, and the longest. So what do you think? Are you excited? Uh, I'm very excited, yeah. Um, it was my granddad who actually introduced me to the Bond films, so I think I'm really going to enjoy this seeing uh, Daniel Craig's last one with him. Uh, it'll be very good. I'm really looking forward to it. They say the best Bond film ever. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, you're talking about action, drama. It's going to be good, I'd say. And yeah. Noreen, tell me, have you been to the cinema in a while? No, not for the lockdown. It's my first time now. Looking, the last time was about two years ago. Would you believe it? Two years yeah, since you've been to the yeah, cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, right. good. Yeah, so you're yeah. excited to be back uh, in the buzz yeah, cinema. Yeah, exactly. Just what do you like about the cinema? Just leaving out the popcorn, the drink and just chilling out in just a big screen. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's nice to see the film in, in big screen. Hi guys, what did you think of the film? Brilliant. Did you love it? Absolutely loved it. The only thing now is don't want to give away the ending, but what's going to happen next? And he was handsome as ever. Oh, he was handsome, well, handsome. Really enjoyed it, thank you so much. Action-packed, drama, uh, romance, thrilled. Did you really enjoy it? I did, yeah. How was being back in the cinema? It's a lovely night out. You feel you're back to normality again. Just saying that it was it's brilliant to be back with practically full cinemas again. The film is amazing. I think everyone should go out to see it. It's one of the best bonds I've ever seen. Um, definitely, definitely one to go and see. There's just no time to die. One text came in there this morning from somebody who went to the movie said that the ending is disappointing. I can't comment on that in any way, shape or form. I haven't seen it. But that it's a fantastic film. But the last five minutes or something? I don't know. That's what somebody said by text. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed themselves and well done. Okay, listen. One last bit of business um, because I want to get this on and we'll come back to it again a little later in the next few weeks. But Stephen Hogan, a.k.a. fondly known as Wazzy. Was appearance. What? What's the story, Wazzy? 
Happy days. That was a great story when you yeah. told it. I keep laughing. Anyway, you've been told you you've been told by yeah. Neil, it keeps you happy when you think of it. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> What's the female be? Was he? Anyway, the, the, the dockers told you to get on to Prendival to gather the troops. What's up? This is it. I tell you what's on now. There is a mass on Friday, the 5th of November. St. Peter Paul's Church to uh, honour the past dockers, the present the men that are still there, like myself and a few more of us. And uh, we just like to do something. And what we're going to do is there's, there's going to be a box at the end of the, the end of the church. Yeah. You can write your own request because we can't do it. Because if we forgot someone, we would never live it down. Yeah. So what we're doing is we asked the priest of St. Peter and Paul's would he say the Mass? And he said he would. It's at 11 party. On Friday, the 5th of November. To honour those that have passed and those that have uh, retired and those... Who are still here. Yeah, gotcha. Half yeah, past you know. 11 on the 5th of November. You're getting in very early on this, aren't you? I mean, we're technically still I, I, in September. I know, but you see, Neil, the thing about it is this. If you don't get in early, <laughs> the first thing they say, hey, you said it very late. <laughs> You know, this is it. I'll remind them every Friday morning, the 5th of November. There's a Dockers Committee, I think, is there? Pardon? Is there a Dockers Committee? Well, what there is here now at the moment, we, we got together with Frank Brady, uh, Liam Cochran, myself, um, Father, Father O'Brien, um, and Breda Skelman, which is the, the daughter yeah. of... She's a Charlie. She daughter of one of the the greatest swimmers, but was never recognised. Yeah, yeah. Number one, I know. And we got together and we said we would like something to be put there to incorporate with the buildings that will be going on down the South Jetty. That's some kind of sculpture or a piece to commemorate the dockers with all of the development that's going down on the docks. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, father. He went to art school when he came out of the when he came out of the docks, and uh, he has something in his mind. We seen what he was doing, was, was doing, and we are happy with it if we could get it incorporated in. So the plans with the developers. Listen, yeah, the I'll, developers, I'll, yeah. I'll have more time to chat about that in the coming weeks ahead. Um, yes, you, you will, know, because. because I, I don't know, but we but let's get the word out for now anyway, was he? The fifth fifth of November, it's a Friday, it's St. Peter and Paul's Church at half past eleven. And a yeah. few pints afterwards, maybe, yeah? Who said a few? <laughs> a battle. <laughs> right, okay. All right. I'm out of time, no. pal. Have a good weekend, but stay in touch, all right? Neil, I'll be in touch with you again in a few weeks' time. All right, Wazzy, we'll drive it on, not a bother. And we'll drive it on from there again, all right? All right, pal, look after yourself. Cheers for now. Seamus! Hang on a second, let me get my lines together. Here he is. Seamus, there you are. Morning, Seamus Prendergast, where are you? Hi, Neil, how are you? There you are, thank God. I thought I lost you. You're in Balancholic. Okay, just very quickly, for you and the rest of the family, if you can tell me who these two people are, I just might consider giving you a €1,000 voucher for Easy Living Interiors, all right? Yeah. Have a listen.
don't, I don't know. I don't know if that happened. Man. I don't need to hear all those stories. All right, girl, we won't tell you stories. Who are they? Liam Gallagher and Katy Perry. Now, did you guess those or did somebody else tell you? No, my girlfriend did help, so a lot of thanks needs to go to her, I think. <laughs> are you living together? We are. That's all right, then. Together, so you can, uh, you can buy something for a thousand euro for where you live together, yeah. all right? Well done. That's great. Thanks very much. Well, what's your girlfriend's name? Alana. Well done to you and Alana. A 1,000 euro voucher for easy living interiors. You are right. Katy Perry and Liam Gallagher. Well done. Congratulations, Seamus. Cheers, pal. Brilliant. Thanks, Neil. Take care of yourself. Last bit of business. Free Food Friday winners. We have uh, six large pizzas, garlic bread, potatoes, drinks, dips and desserts. It'll feed 15 people in total. And what have they given me? Free Food Friday winner for this week. 20 brand new firefighting recruits and five officers training them in the Ballyvalan Fire Station who've just started their first week's work. They're working hard to become the next generation of the fastest responding firefighters in the country. Cork have the fastest responding firefighters in the country. I mentioned it earlier on. So it's a lovely coincidence to know that this, mor- this morning's Free Food Friday winners are the recruits and the officers at Ballyvalan Fire Station. Pizza on the way for you. Could you just give me the bit there very quickly on uh, Chester Cake because because I want to solve it for Joy. Uh, she's looking for Chester Cake. Bracken's Bakery, the Old Mallow Road, best Chester Cake on the north side. I get it every Friday, says Kevin. Uh, Healy's, oh, morning to you, Kevin, my old buddy. Healy's in Blackpool by the church. Top-notch Chester Neal. Go for it, says Marcus. Somebody else says Fairfield Store. So I told you it would be on the north side. You have a choice of three there, Joy. Off you go and enjoy with a cup of tea. Our lines will stay open at one 850 Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.